As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Minnesota Vikings, the kings of the 
Games. Wintersville. Everyone's a winner, baby. That's so nice. You never fail to satisfy. Love Covenant. Happy Monday to you. 905 Paul Allen, FM 100.3 The Fan from the Brian Heating and Cooling Studios. Master mixer of that impeccable Monday morning montage. Everyone's a winner by Hot Chocolate. Is that hot chocolate? It's hot chocolate. A little hot chocolate on a Monday morning mm. ain't bad, right? Is uh, the producer Eric Nordquist. Good morning. It's 906. Your Vikings phone calls in the next segment. A Peter Bursich in studio at 935. A Golden Gophers conversation at 1015. Antoine Winfield Jr., though. Miss Courtney Cronin from ESPN and ESPN.com in studio at 1055. And Justin Gard, sideline analyst. Golden Gophers Radio Network, 1135. First, sneak peek at next week. It's a border battle. A Raj playing the Lazarus card last night, comes back and assumes quarterback immortality. Main man couldn't move, wasn't stepping into those throws, but the one into which he did step, there goes Randall Cobb. 40 30, 20 10, inside the five, touchdown. What a freaking massive week for the Minnesota Vikings coming up Sunday. Border battle, Lambeau Field, noon, pregame with Muss at 10. Massive because it counts for three. A, it can get you to 2-0. B, you get that super special early season tiebreaker against Gerby's team. And thirdly, in the meat grinder, bump and grind life that is the National Football Conference, you get, uh, you get an NFC win against a quarterback who... Wasn't stepping into his throws and no longer was moving. The arm talent on display last night was spectacular. Green Bay's tackling last evening, less than spectacular. That's the border battle coming up this weekend, and 9 to noon is already incredibly fired up. Almost as fired up as we were for several members on our team yesterday, including Harrison Smith. He hit the trifecta, had a sack. Uh, he recovered that fumble, and he had the game-sealing interception. Into last evening, I wondered if Harry the Hitman's trifecta merited NFC Defensive Player of the Week honors. Until we all watched Khalil Mack play. My goodness. And he probably ran away by five and right into the winner's circle. Feels like we dominated the Niners despite winning by one score. How about Nordo's guy? Nordo's guy? Kittle and his bits. How many, how many will scramble this week to find George Kittle in fantasy football? I mean, that would have been a fantastic one-hit wonder. Five for 90. Didn't get a touchdown. How many Rubes will be scrambling this week to find something called George Kittle on the old waiver wire 
I will, I will, I will, I will, is what every member of Rube Nation is saying right now. Good morning. Well, there's about a 99% chance that when we have Paul Charchian on tomorrow for the pickup joint. Yeah, to talk about Kittle and his bits. He's going to say that I knew George Kittle was a poor man's Delaney Walker before Delaney Walker ever even fathomed getting injured yesterday like he did. Pick him up. It's part of my pickup joint every Tuesday. Yeah, that's going to be tomorrow. Tomorrow at the 1015 charge is going to be like, even though I argued on Twitter with Dave Sinekin that nobody should roster Randall Cobb because I have him way below Geronimo Allison and he got loose for a massive game. I had Kittle in his bits ever. 1015 tomorrow, it's the old pickup joint. I ain't trying to be negative early in the presentation because we are undefeated. Vikings are undefeated. And when we go to Lambeau, we plan to stay that way this weekend. I feel the defense gave up too many chunk plays for my liking, but we got the money. I mean, you got Kittle and his bits. The Dante Pettis bit was weird, but we got the money. Got the money, the operative and important three words here. We didn't run as well as I thought we would, but got the money. End of the equation against DeForest Buckner and that rookie linebacker from BYU I told all of you all week is going to be a stud. Something called Fred Warner. All over the field, 48. He's, he was a, pro- good. he's a problem. Uh, so you're going against some high-enders in the front seven. We ran for 116. That's cool, but overall, believe it or not, I thought the running game was going to be more explosive. Zimmer wanted more takeaways, and the Vikings got four on Sunday. 15.8 points per game allowed last year. 16 points per game this year. And we got the money. Mike Hughes, yep. he gets covenant claps, Man. Not, not necessarily for the defensive touchdown, but when you leave college and you execute your toil in your chosen profession, doing exactly what you want, making exactly what you want, and you debut with an interception touchdown, holy cow, what an auspicious debut for Mike Hughes. Yeah, you mentioned those chunk plays, and I actually thought it was good for the Vikings defense, and Zimmer said it himself, to feel the adversity against a dynamic play caller and a creative offensive schemer like Kyle Shanahan. Great point. And that's what they got us. They got us on the crossing routes, this use check cat coming out the back end wide open. Mike Hughes, unfortunately, at the uh, at the expense of Trey Wayne's getting nicked up. As I'm looking at depth chart week two, border battle this weekend. That's a border battle. The depth chart needs to be prepared on Monday. The depth chart has arrived to the Brian Heating and Cooling Studios. Uh, Mike Hughes being forced to step in. He got picked on. He got exposed as a young kid trying to grow in this league. Uh, But when you have a kid with that talent and that pass rush, Eric Kendricks, coming in Garoppolo's face... Uh, you have Mike Hughes uh, to the house with his with his first touchdown in his first game. It was very awesome to see Mike Hughes make it happen. Super special game-calling depth chart, border battle already prepared so we can start early on a very important week. Looking at Green Bay's defensive side of the equation, I see Mike Daniels, quality stock. Then with the way they tackled last night, L, 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 L. Instead of putting names in here, perhaps I should just put a capital L with numbers. 
Uh, that defense uh, leaves much to be desired if you're a Green Bay Packers fan. Inexperienced corner versus Thielen and Diggs. Uh, Mr. Alexander, Mr. Josh Jackson right. may be highly touted, could be very good in this league for a long time, uh, but the uh, the litmus test will take its place uh, at Lambeau against the Vikings this weekend. Kirk Cousins, nice debut, passer rating nearly 100, no interceptions, throwing to Dalvin is fresh, eight players targeted, seven caught passes. Crowd loving that. Divers- diversification is the name, and getting the money is the game. Everybody's happy, right? Calls next segment. Then Bursage in studio at 935. By the way, Saturday night, thanks for the thrills. Sky Yuma Antoine Winfield Jr. First and goal from the four for Fresno State. The Bulldogs have one timeout left. McMarion with the wide side to the left, two receivers that way. And a tight end to the right is Rice. They got to keep an eye on him. They hand it off. They want to throw in the end zone on a halfback option. And the ball is intercepted. Antoine Winfield Jr. Mike Grimm on the call at FM 100.3. The fan, excellent call, excellent finish to an excellent football game. Golden Gophers conversation at 10.15 and 11.35 today. And uh, P.J. Fleck joins 9 to noon tomorrow at 9.15. Your calls on the Minnesota Vikings victory yesterday. Compliments, concerns, complaints. What do you like? Uh, What do you loathe? 800-320-5326-651-989-5326. Nordo produces, and I'm Paul Allen from the Bryan Heating and Cooling Studios. Happy Monday, and welcome to Nine to Noon. You're listening to PA. What a pleasure it is to be on hashtag Faith Radio with all of these believers this morning. On the fan. And shotgun takes the snap, short drop, looks right, pats it, fires end zone, caught touchdown! Cousins, Rudolph, 23-6 Minnesota. What up? Happy Montage Monday. This is 9 to noon. Up in the morning, it's 6 o'clock. It's 9-20. 800-320-5326-651-989-5326. Cody in Shakopee. Welcome to the radio show. How are we doing, sir? Hello. Good morning. I was just calling in to talk about the kind of inability. We left some chances on the field to put the, the Niners away pretty early. kind of seemed like uh, we just didn't uh, put it together there at the end of the game to really kind of close the team out the way that we should. I mean, the flow of the game went really well, and Cousins played well overall. I just like to see a you know a championship team put a put a team away when they should. Yeah, the uh, the closeout factor, the knockout punch was pretty non-existent. Um, game one, fifteen to go. Dalvin's fumble, to believe it or not, Dalvin's fumble could have been an early version of a knockout punch. I mean, they get down there, and if they get three, it becomes difficult. If they get six, and then the extra point. San Francisco becomes, as we say in the business, left-handed. Becomes very pass-predictable, and uh, that's when the likes of Daniil Hunter, Sheldon Richardson, Everson Griffin, and the boys, uh, they get to pin back those proverbial ears. Cousins did not complete a pass in the fourth quarter. 
and they had three consecutive three and outs. So, you know, it um the whole thing, believe it or not, worked out pretty much the way I thought it would. I thought the Vikings would run more explosively. I thought the team would win 24-10. And um, as I've said for, I mean, devotees to 9 to noon daily have probably heard it so much. It's something with which they're bored. But I, I meant it, and I still mean it, with this offense overall with the new QB, the new coordinator, the makeshift offensive line, Dalvin back in the mix, and a carry split with Latavius, patience required. And like I've said, you know, by the time we get to the middle of October, that's when my analysis overall of the offense will change a little bit because my expectations will be a little different. Uh, you mentioned it there just minimally, but that's what, that, one of my questions to you would be, what did you think of offensive coordinator John Filippo's debut? So I, we, it was first time we see Kirk, and, yeah. and Dalvin's back in the mix. And But I look at that, that lull. There was a stretch there post-Rudy touchdown from the highlight I played where they did go three and out three straight times. How much of that is, you know, still John D trying to trying to figure out what he has and, and working in what his scheme and his philosophy is. Good debut for the new offensive coordinator. Mixed the pass and run pretty well. Got a little pass happy there for a little bit, but why not? It was working. The throwing to Dalvin Cook is that is I can't stress if you can if you can get that done and have it work the way it worked yesterday a majority of the season, it will cause fits for defensive coordinators all season. Because when Dalvin was catching it, he was making players miss. And he was bouncing off first contact. And that's only going to open things up for others down the road. So I thought it was a good debut for John. Uh, but um, but overall, you know, I don't I don't have any steam on this. And, and in the locker room yesterday, I, I didn't chat with anybody about it. So I'm riding instincts. I think people got really tired at the end of the game. Hmm. I mean, the the way the preseason is designed, where you play a fair amount in that third preseason game, then you shut that thing down for basically two weeks and change. I think players offensively and defensively for both teams, I think they got tired late, and that might have happened with the Vikings offensive line. Nick in Minneapolis, hello. PA and Nordo, the absolute best part of each morning. Um you know, we have the best defense in the league, and I think one knock on last year's defense was maybe not getting as many takeaways as we'd like to see. Right. Um, I know it's only week one, but yesterday has got to be a little bit of encouragement, right? Yeah, they and, and that was Zimmer's A topic into the season. With uh, the defense giving up 15.8 per game, 25% on third down, historically good. Wanted more takes. Got four yesterday. Ryan in Cottage Grove, good morning. Hey, what's going on? What's up, bud? Hey. Hey, I, I, I'm pretty optimistic about that game. I mean, I think you uh, hit on a number of different points in the previous callers, but um, in regards to just the success of the team, I mean, it is game one coming out of the playoffs or coming out of the preseason. You look at teams like Dallas last night, they were just putrid. And, you know, they didn't even play any of their starters hardly ever in the preseason. So I think it's just something to build on. You know, the, the defense was pretty good. Um, the offense, I, I thought, looked pretty good against an up-and-coming 49ers defense. So um, I'm pretty optimistic about it, and I think they'll keep building on it. And I'm I'm pretty optimistic that they're going to go going to go in and pretty and tear a Rod up pretty good on that knee. Thank that looked pretty bad. You. Thank you very much, uh, Sheldon Richardson. I get the bit. Uh, Sheldon is not super far into his career. 2013 Defensive Rookie of the Year. 
uh, in um, in a year with the Jets where he actually ran in two touchdowns. I mean, they they used Sheldon all all up and down the biatch in 2013. I had a fantastic game against the Vikings too. I believe in 2013 or 14, one of the two. It's the game to 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 Teddy beat the Jets, but he had three he had three sacks in that game. So Sheldon can be a high ender. Sheldon Richardson is incredibly important to what the Minnesota Vikings want to do defensively. It's that super special three technique spot. Heard Lieber touch on it this morning. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Richardson at times yesterday was unblockable, but with Sheldon. See, I, I I see what Sheldon's doing here. Sheldon Richardson, preseasons for show and regular seasons for dough. Because there were times in watching back these preseason games with Sheldon, I'm like, one year, $8 million? Okay. Uh, didn't greatly impact really any situation in the preseason. Played his former team, the Seattle Seahawks. They trapped on him two times and got two scores. So it was kind of like Sheldon... Um, who are you and what are you to us? We know exactly what you can't do, and we're going to expose it. But Sheldon was 10 times the player yesterday. He was at any point of the entire preseason. There are players like that, man. They preseason for show, and they regular season for dough. Jesse. Yeah, this is Jesse. Yeah, good morning, Jesse. This is Paul. How are you? I'm great. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Love you. Just wanted to make a shout-out to Harrison Smith, safety immortality. I mean, we get so used to fantastic play at the safety position, but got to give hats off to what happened yesterday. I mean, sack, interception, strip, fumble, recovery, yep. Yep. tackles for loss. The guy was absolutely insane. Yeah, he might have hit the superfector yesterday. Might even have hit the pick five. Um, had five, four, or three unbelievably key moments, including the game ceiling interception. Mitch? Yes, Paul. How are we doing this morning? Well, good morning, my friend. Um, just wanted to talk. Everybody already hit the points I wanted to say. I mean, and you already did as well. It just, uh, you know, it's going to take a minute for the offense to, you know, finally mold and, you know, got to give them a little bit of time. October would definitely be a lot different story uh, by that time. And then uh, I know our defense is licking their chops going, uh, for a route just coming weekend. Yeah, you don't. Um, no matter what the condition of the knee is, you 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 don't want to trash talk. You you don't pull on Superman's cape, and you don't trash talk a Rod. Best at player in the NFL. At least I don't. Everybody else can go ahead and trash talk a Rod all you want. The arm talent last night. the The arm talent last night was as good as I've seen. I can't remember the last time I saw better arm talent. Now Cam Newton, for my money, when Cam is is really on throws the best deep ball in the NFL. Roethlisberger's deep ball is terrific. a Rodgers is good, too. But see, a Rodge, his is predicated on more movement, believe it or not, than Cam, and certainly more than, than Ben. But there were times last night a Rodge could not step into his throws on the bulky left knee, and it was all arm talent. And I ain't trying to make this a, um, a green and gold love fest, but I, I do need to congratulate the Green Bay Packers coaching staff. You know, it's the it's the cliched halftime adjustments. And what Khalil Mack did to Brian Bulaga and that offense in the first half, quite honestly, should be felonious in 48 states. So then you get to halftime, you get A-Rodge back. But they went to a different style of passing game and running game. Second half, it was Khalil Mack who? And he wasn't getting double teamed every single play. They neutralized him with scheme. 
Brilliant, brilliant move by Messrs. Philbin and McCarthy last night. If A-Rodge can't move around the way A-Rodge likes to move with uh, Zimmer's defense coming to town, well, we'll see how that works out. John? Hey, Bo. Um, a few things. One, offensive line. I think it looked really good. I was really pleased to see how well they played. And two, <clears throat> Davin Cook, man, that guy's a beast. The way he butts through that offensive line and that defensive line, I think if that one tackle um, didn't cause that fumble, he would have been gone to the house. Unbelievable how well he has come back from that injury. From an offensive line standpoint, after uh, doing some reviewing of it last evening, here's the way I look at it. It's as good as I've ever seen Riley Reef play. And Riley gave up one sack last year, but Keenum's mobility had a little bit to do with that. Uh, Reef run, run blocking and pass protection, superb. Uh, Tom Compton was taking L's early in the game. Now, he's opposite potentially elite DeForest Buckner. That's going to happen to a lot of players. Uh, but uh, Compton, Compton had some problems early, absolutely gave up a sack on his own to Buckner. But then Compton didn't let it run him down, uh, did not become self-loathing, and responded by getting out in space well and and doing what he was supposed to do. So he improved, but overall it needs to be better. I thought Brett Jones, the new center, I thought he was serviceable, didn't think he was high-end, didn't think he was awful, found a way to win with Brett Jones, elf line on the horizon. Remmers, I think, can be better, but that was Mike's fourth start in his life at guard. Four starts at guard. So that's going to get better game by game, and I think his run blocking will be better. And you got out you got out of it alive with Rashad Hill, I think playing okay. Not not awful, but uh but I think that needs to be better too. Bottom line, much like twenty seventeen with uh thirteen and three for the Kings of the North, you you know there can be better there with the offensive line, but you got the money. And in the ultimate team game, that's the biggest key, winning the games. SK, good morning. Hey, what's going on, PA? SK with the Skull Report. How's it going? SK, give me that Skull Report. What you got? So, uh, I was actually going to touch on the offensive line, but it seemed like you guys kind of already covered it. So, I just want to give a shout-out to Kirk Cousins. The guy was dropping absolute dimes yesterday. And as a Minnesota Vikings fan, we all got to feel good about having a quarterback that can go out there and that can sling the ball around like that. And I think the biggest stat line of his is zero interceptions, which yep. is what we want to do. And every drive and a kick, and I think we did a great job at that yesterday with the exception of the Dalton Cook fumble. But overall, I believe, too, uh, he did a great job, especially with his first regular season start with the Vikings. I think Kurt had a great debut as a Minnesota Vikings. Appreciate that Skull Report. Look forward to your call next week. Bursich in studio next. You're listening to PA. I didn't show up last week. I may not show up next week. I may not finish this segment. On the fan. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching a breakaway, this is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. Visit the Summer Lounge at Mall of America, First Level North, to learn about MOA, summer surprises, and Pepsi stuff. Visit PepsiStuff.com for details.
33 from the Niners, 22. Cousins shotgun, short drop, fade, end zone, and it's caught, touchdown! Stephon Diggs! Kirk Cousins, first passing touchdown, goes to Stephon Diggs, and the Vikings take a 9-0 lead. Headache music can only mean one thing. The analyst is in studio. Pete Bursich with hardcore football takes. Brian Heating and Cooling Studios and the analyst joins us now. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Pretty well. Outside of our game for a second. Yeah. Uh, Tampa wanted New Orleans. Are you kidding me? Tampa, like... It was like a shootout, too. Right. Your guy Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for more than 400 yards. You know, I don't I don't play survivor pools. Do you know what they are? Yeah. Where yep. you get to pick yep. one team one week, but then you can't use it again. Correct. I mean, I gotta believe in most of these pools, like eighty five percent of them are dead when New Orleans <laughs> loses a season opener at home. At home, that's the big thing. To Ryan Fitzpatrick, in not Jameis right? Winston. Right. Or the pit or how about the Pittsburgh Cleveland thing? How do you handle that? Yeah. No I know that not. one's a little dicey on that one, but yeah, survivor pool wise, I would assume everybody moves on. Um, but Tampa winning at New Orleans was surprising. Adrian Peterson had a quality week for the uh, Washington Redskins, rushing for well over a hundred, and he got into the end zone. So Adrian's back in the mix. And uh, the Minnesota Vikings beat the San Francisco Forty ers You heard it yesterday on the Fam. What uh, What did you think of Kirk Cousins' debut? No, I liked it. I mean the. The throws that he made, the, uh, the touchdown throws in particular, the one to Rudolph, the one to Diggs, those are those are multi million dollar throws. We do, you know you don't see you just don't see those everywhere. And, and really? when you watch the throw to Diggs, how do you how do you defend that? Because the defender has his back turned, and when the quarterback's able to put the ball right over the shoulder of the defender, the receiver does not have to stop because. When you're when you're in, when you're a DB and you're trailing like that, you're looking for some kind of reaction from the receiver mm-hmm. to know that the ball is on its way. So yeah. then you could uh, face guard or do because face guarding is legal now. Right, right. you can do that. Um, but you to stop it, and when that ball is delivered right over the defensive back shoulder, right into the pocket of of Diggs, where he doesn't have to really extend his arms or stop and turn around and jump or do anything. Uh, I, I don't know how you, you know. I don't. know. That's that's a tough one to defend. Help me with this. Uh, the DeFilippo report, the Vikings report, 45 minutes from now. Uh, Vikings offensive coordinator John DeFilippo um, joins daily. We tape the interview, and uh, we tape the interview, and we, pl- we play back chunks each and every day. DeFilippo said with Richard Sherman on the right side of the Vikings offense the entire game, and Akello Witherspoon, their second corner, Kwan Williams is their nickel, with Witherspoon on the other side, they had worked all week on getting a certain Stefan Diggs matchup in single coverage against Witherspoon. Yeah. And they finally got it, but Witherspoon responded. Yeah. And he covered Diggs well. To to your point with uh the perfection of the cousins pass. And here's my question. And and I posed it for later in the week for DiFilippo too. When you work on certain things all week to expose weaknesses of the adversary, and they don't become present or prevalent because the adversary knows where its weaknesses right, are too. Right. As a coach, how do you handle that? Well, you have that's just part of the strategy. If you go into a game saying this, this is this is what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to attack Akella Witherspoon. I mean, if that's that's your whole game plan, yeah, then you got a problem. So you don't. That's just part of the game plan. You know what I mean? That's a package of the game plan. It's just a section of the game plan. And yeah. Uh, 
And we've seen it before where if a guy gets hurt, now all of a sudden the right corner is a weakness. He's a rookie. Let's go after him. And then you just look in your play card and you find the plays that uh, you know are going to put you in that kind of a matchup. So those things can happen during the course of a game. Yeah. Or like you said, they could be game plan. But it's all, it's... It's a small section of it okay. that can be crossed off, or if it's not there, they're not going to force it. They yeah. go to something else. You know, I think for for D. Filippo, the, the the after watching that film, he's going to come back and say, "If we'd have made two or three more catches, right, they would have been a different game." Yeah, and I, and think, I think that's the I think that was offensively uh, some of the you know a couple of the bigger issues, just some of those drops. Well, I, I agree, and I also think the quarterback left some chunks on the field. And I'll have a better handle on that when I all 22 it later. You mentioned one thing with somebody open and there was either a rush or something, whatever happens in every game happens to Tom Brady, where there was a time last year where Case Keenum was missing two, three or four wide open Thielen bits that would have been big plays because he was running for his life. Right. There was a massive one in the Atlanta game. So then like after I was seeing that week after week, I decided to watch the first half of two Tom Brady games just to see at the very highest level. Yeah. <laughs> and and there, sure enough, there's Tom standing tall in the pocket, four guys out in the uh, in the pattern, yep. finds Gronk for eight, Chris Hogan wide open for 22, quarterback didn't see him. Right. So it happens to everybody. Uh, but, but to that point, speaking of chunk plays, it seems the Niners did not miss too many of those, specifically with your guy Kittle and his bits. No, they, they, you know, they did a good job. And I look defensively, that you go into this game as with Mike Hughes as the nickel. He's a rookie. It's his first NFL game. He's playing nickel. Well, that lasts, what, a quarter and a half until uh, Trey Waynes is injured? Yeah. And so Trey Waynes gets hurt. Now it's like, okay, young man, now you're playing corner, yeah. which is different. It's different. Because don't forget, a nickel is basically taking linebacker drops. You're, a, you're 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 playing a linebacker position, but because of the personnel that's in the game, you're flexed out. You're out in space more. Hardcore football take. So, he's my point is, is he's going from nickel where he practiced all week to corner. Yeah. And you don't really have a backup nickel, so you take a safety in J-Ron Curse. How about that? And put him at nickel. How quickly did Zimmer become bored with Holton Hill, by the way? Yeah. Well, put Holton quickly. Hill in for two plays, took an L, took him out. Yeah. There's J-Ron playing nickel. Well, And that's the best thing that Zim can do. You want to play? You got to play well. Yeah. You know? It, that's I mean, this is the tolerance. You know, this is the NFL. You know, we don't have much, zero tolerance. Yeah. You give you two shots, you mess them both up, you're done. <laughs> All right? I'm going to put J- you know. Yeah. So J. Ron Curse comes in as a safety. Yeah. J. Ron's never worked and in nickel. And he's playing nickel. Yeah. And not and not only that, but you're playing against a team now that what do they do? They reduce the formations. They they bootleg one way, go this way, they yeah. run crossing routes, they run, you know, uh uh wheel routes, they run all these things, all these these men they're they're not trick plays, so yeah. to speak, but they're challenging. Yeah. From a coverage standpoint. Some misdirection. Meaning if you had a vet like Terrence like that was a Terrence Newman game yesterday. Yeah. If you'd have had Terrence Newman on the field, mm-hmm. I think that would have been a completely different. It would have been a big different look in the backfield because or the back end because he just knows what teams are trying to do, yeah. can anticipate and be in the right spots. I mean, they did a wonderful job with all the play actions, and it was everybody. You know, it was either the linebacker one play, it was you know, it was Harrison Smith one play, it was Mike Hughes another play. I mean, it was kind of it was kind of a round robin where everybody had a bad play on on the play action, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're talking about Kittle getting open and things like that, those are just guys just not 
executing the coverage. But Peter, it happens a men- lot. Yeah, I know. Those are uh, that's what I'm saying. And your guy used check that. But one when time. you when you're when you're Kyle Shanahan and you're going, okay, they got a rookie who played nickel. Now he's at corner, and they got the safety J. Ron Curse who okay. wasn't even at a, a a preseason game or missed a whole entire preseason game. Yeah. Um, what do we got that's going to give these guys problems? Got and it. you go through the yeah. That's why those. That's why they hold up freaking two by. You know they got those <laughs> sheets of plywood with the yep. game plans on them. That yeah, looks like the St. Thomas Academy offensive uh, play. Right. Play and sheet. so yeah, you know they came to see your. You came to see the guy holding it up. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. They're looking for okay, this will be a good one. You know, let's go feature this one. Check this one. Do this mm-hmm. one. Forget that one. And then, yeah, you know, that's ultimately what happened. Well, with uh, with the George Kittle weird plays that uh, where he kept being wide open by fifteen yards and getting like twenty or thirty every time, I'm not necessarily concerned about that this week. Now, a Rod's probably even on one leg better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Arm talent, fantastic. Well, we figured out Garoppolo real quickly. I mean, very quickly when getting a chance to watch him is that yeah. he's. Very good in between the hash marks. Yeah. He's a lot like Teddy Bridgewater was. Teddy was could be cold-blooded between the hash marks. Yeah. Those throws on the outside, not a problem. Well, and, and I understand Juicy A. Raj has Jimmy Graham. So that, oh, that yeah, they're gonna, def, well, you got to spend all week dealing with a Jimmy Graham. Right. But there are other tight ends. Mercedes Lewis, I mean, I, I don't think I, he certainly can't run like he used to run. And Lance Kendricks, neither one of them are, uh, with all due respect, as good or as le- athletic as um as George Kittle, believe it or not, in his second year from Iowa. So I'm not and, and Zimmer has an entire week to work on it, you know? You when you play Green Bay, you're gonna Aaron's gonna throw some ball he's gonna make some completions. There's not much you can do about it. It's the run after the catch. Right. That's what you have and you also have like to have, Randall Cobb though. And you have to have the clock in your especially if you're a safety, you have yep. to have that clock in your head knowing if you because what is it? The safeties read what happens in front of them. They read the quarterback, and then they they react to it. They move. They move from one half of the field to the other, or they you know they push the coverage over. But the receivers again, they know that when they have the clock in their head, as soon as uh, two or three seconds goes by, the play's still alive. They just break off a route and go vertical. The safeties and those guys have to know that as well. Yeah, and uh, you just have to limit yards after catch. I mean that's. That's the that's the main thing. In um in in watching a fair amount of this one back TV copy last night, Sheldon Richardson's game. I might even have giggled during the call yesterday. It makes me giggle, and and you know more about it than me, man. You 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 played for close to a decade or whatever and coached. It, it it's there are just certain players you come across. Very gregarious, very cool guy. You know he's just Sheldon. He just gets it. But the the preseason meant minimal to Sheldon Richardson. Because in watching those games back, specifically that Seattle game, I was like, whoa, yeah. what, what's happening here at the old three-technique deal? One mm-hmm. year, eight million, ain't nothing great. He was unbelievably yeah. good yesterday. Yeah, he played He played very well. There was a play where he held off a – it was a zone run, and he held off a guard with one arm. He just uh-huh. you know put the long arm up and just kind of settled yeah. down and said, yeah. all right, I'll wait, I'll wait, you know, makes the play. I'll wait. Uh, yeah, and you have a concern, too, because – Teams don't get rid of good football players, right? So why did Seattle leave him go? And so you give him a one-year prove-it deal, and yeah. you're kind of like, well, is he going to prove it or not? So, you have, yeah, you have those. I think those are legitimate questions uh, from the preseason. But he played, yeah, he played very, very well yesterday. The front four, the, we got leaky when the backups were in there. Because they put, there was a there was a couple times where yeah. it, it was. It was wholesale change. It was wholesale change. They had all four of them in there. Yeah, they had Weatherly, Perry, Johnson, and Bauer, you know, Tashawn Bauer, Jeez. and it got leaky. Yeah. And there was a couple times where it was just Johnson and Perry, and it got leaky. Yeah. And we 
case in point, we all saw it, the long drive they had, and you get to into the red zone, and who comes in? Linval and uh, Sheldon. Yeah, right? They come, there they come back in and, whatever, you know, turning the ball over. So, uh, yeah, the bad, those guys that are in the second level, they got to get better, and they will. Who leads the Vikings? Who, at the end of the equation, will lead the Vikings in sacks and why? The analyst will give his opinion next. You're listening to P.A. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes... On the fan. First and 20 for Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers. Takes a snap. The Vikings rush four. Sheldon Richardson got loose. And Everson Griffin sacks Jimmy G. Sheldon Richardson set it up. Everson Griffin finished it off. And that's another loss for the Niners. It's narrow casting, but it's pertinent. So just bear with me for 38 seconds. Sheldon Richardson reminded me of certain racehorses. (laughs) that I've seen in my quarter century working in horse racing. Interesting. Where, at, whether it's a big-time Keeneland sale in Lexington, or, you know, like they, they pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to millions trying to get the next Kentucky Derby winner. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they pay a lot of money for these horses, then they work them out in the morning trying to get them ready for races, and they're like, whoa, what's happening here? Just not, you know, yeah. super fast, not okay. do, doing it the way we thought uh, he or she would do it. And then they get to race day, and the bell sounds, and it's like freaking Secretariat. Right. I mean, they're all keyed up and everything. They know what's happening, and mm-hmm. boom, they mm-hmm. win, and everybody cashes bets. That was Sheldon to me. It's like the preseason was the morning workouts. Okay, go ahead and lollygag through it. But yesterday was the race, and main man came through with the race. He'll need to come through this weekend. Uh, we are at Lambeau Field. It's a border battle taking on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Um, Aaron Aaron did something to his left knee, left the game. Deshaun Kaiser came in, started taking L's. That's what he yeah, does. Yeah. Still look like a Brown. We get to halftime. They come back. A-Rodge comes back. Everybody gets pumped up. Defense started playing better. Uh, their tackling for the balance of the game I thought was awful. In the first half, it was reprehensible. Uh, the Packers, that is. So with, uh, with with Aaron and everything that developed last night, what did you think? Well, it, it's it's a t- you know the game was a tale of two halves, and and so last night I didn't I if I wasn't watching the game I was in my car and I was listening to it, and I believe it was Jason Taylor that does the the color part of it. And this is the end of the first court toward the end of the first half. Yeah, and he makes he's taught at that time it was the Khalil Mack show right right i mean it was Khalil Mack this Khalil Mack that yeah and one of his things was while he's watching this game he's saying man he's just you know yeah you guys are not, you have to go to training camp he's like looking at all these guys that went to training camp and look at me i just showed up and look what i'm doing i didn't even go to training camp ah, ha, 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 hey, ha, earl ha, thomas ha. didn't go to training camp had the seattle seahawks first interception right. yesterday well Okay, that's I mean that's that's all fine and good, but there are two halves to a football game. Yeah. <laughs> and don't tell me that it was all adjustments by Bulaga and the offense of Green Bay that slowed Khalil Mack down. No. Oh. He got tired. Did he? Hell yes, he got tired. Bob. I don't care how much you work out. These guys are all in shape. I get it. But there's a difference between that and game shape. And you can't get into game shape unless you're playing games. Yeah. 
and the guy didn't play, hasn't played a game, hasn't been in camp. He wore himself out, right, and was done. Well, he almost he single-handedly won the game in the first he, half. Well, and that's our, that's kind of the amazing part of it. Arguably, he did enough in one half of a football game to win it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but the tank was empty yeah. on the second half. The whole Bears defense—they couldn't tackle. That's what yeah. happens when you tackle. It means you can't run anymore. Yeah. His legs are dead. Look at us in the third quarter. You had that lull. Look at Harrison Smith after the game when he went. He just intercepted a ball, won the game. He went back to the bench and sat down and had towels put on his head. He was tired. Yeah. That was relief on his face saying, right. thank God I got through another one. Yeah. And that's, that's what, but that's what the opening game is like. Yeah. That's how it is. And I think it's even more so now than back when, when in the day when the starters would play half of the fourth preseason game. Yeah. That's how it used to be. Now these guys don't even play it anymore. They barely even play the, you know, they play half of the third preseason game. Ooh. So well, how about this? And then there's two weeks off, and now you go play a game. I mean, you, there's you don't. The, it's the re, being in shape is about a couple things. It's, it's the endurance through the game, but then it's the recovery too. Yeah. So these guys that were struggling to get through that first game, this is this is going to be a rough week for them. Okay. Well, how about this? Nordo's favorite coach in the NFL because he's a millennial is Sean McVay. Oh, of course. McVay did not play his his first teamers. I mean, Goff, Gurley. Cooks, um, O'Donnell came in late, but Sue, Peters, Tlaib, the whole bit. Did not play them in preseason games four, three, and three quarters of two. He only played them a quarter in the in the second preseason game, I'm pretty sure. Well, they played tonight against the Oakland Raiders. And they played, Gruden played his ones just like you would normally expect. Right. We're going to play a series or two in the first game, a quarter in the second, a half, maybe a little more in the third. Shut him down in the fourth. Let's play. And the quarterback's not a vet. I mean, he's a he's somewhat of a veteran, right? He got through his first full season last year, but it's not like he's a ten year guy or right. eight year player. Right. Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I would expect, and if if the theory that I have is holding true, the hypothesis, yeah, you would expect the Rams to come out of the gate yeah. and just light up the first half, Look and then great. the second half, kind of where'd they go? Yeah, <laughs> you know, what I mean, Don, how long, Aaron Donald? How long was he in camp? Uh, about four days. Yeah. So let's let's monitor him and see. I he blows it up the first half because he's feeling great. He's feeling better than everybody else who's been through camp. Yep. But then all of a sudden something happens. There's a tide that turns as you get into halftime and Turned the second last half. Night. And the tank is empty. Yeah. And when that tank is empty, eww, that's bad news. If um if I've been to Lambeau Field twenty times, you probably have been thirty. Um, despite your disdain for everything green and gold. You played against them, you coached against them, you analyzed on the Vikings radio network, and are compensated to root against them. <laughs> it's a wonderful place to be. I mean, Lam- Lambeau Field, Paul, it, Paul. I've said it a million times, it's football Americana, man. The whole thing about it's cool. I disagree. Why? 100%. Because it's Lambeau Field. It's so Green why? Bay. It's it's fantastic. Hey. It, Who's going to pay 150 bucks to sit in a bench? <laughs> it's a co- it, You do that for a college game, Paul. Yeah. You don't go see your favorite NFL juicy A Raj $180 million quarterback, pay his salary, and then go sit on an aluminum bench. Come on, the awesome you hotel don't do in, that. in Appleton. I mean, it's five star. It's terrific. The rooms Whatever. are all unbelievable. Hey, look over here. We got a museum. Hey, look over here. We got this fancy thing. Oh, by the all, way, we're going to go put you on a two inch wide aluminum great bench. Places during the game. You're going to like it. All those great places. Yeah, yeah, Saturday yeah. night, we've been, oh, 20 oh, Appleton's to 30 awesome. times. I love Appleton. Appleton, Appleton sucks. Again, Pipes and Pages is gone, though. That was my spot. 
and it's right. gone now. Yeah, I mean, it, the subway next door gone. There, there, there was a. There used to be a Chipotle or some, there used to be a Starbucks, a burritos bit across the street. Yeah, and and when NFL teams would come in there, each offensive lineman would get two massive burritos. So they probably survived strictly on road teams coming to yeah. the uh, super special Paper Valley. And how about, well, how about the walk, the super special walk to Starbucks that we would take? Nah. Right? It's gone. Gone. Yeah, I know. See, I told you, the place sucks. <laughs> I mean, you're rhapsodizing the bar. We've only been there 20 times in the same spot. Uh, we sit in the same spot no, every you know single what, time. And it, it, I'll tell you, you what. You get to though. watch the Brewers. Boy, that's great. It is. It, it the the. The view we have, the booth, the people that are there, the people at you know at at the stadium, they're awesome. It, it really is. It's a good spot. Yeah, it's no, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's terrific. Can't wait for this weekend. Yeah. Uh, do you think the Vikings need to run better than they did against the Niners? Because like it was three nine a carry. That needs to be better. It was three one late into the game. Remember? Yeah, I remember you saying that. But it finished at one sixteen, which I mean, it was one twenty two last year. And that's a good number. Yeah, it, it, no, overall that's a good number. I, you, it's the same thing with Dalvin Cook, Paul. As it is, I mean. People are, you, you talk about how well they, they, they chose to go to Latavius Murray late in the game because it may be a different style. No, it's it's because Dalvin Cook carried, did, had the ball, he touched the ball twice in the preseason. Yeah. He's just not in shape yet. He's not in game shape. He's not in a four quarter carry the ball 32 times, you know, maybe 10 receptions or whatever type um, shape yet. So they, they, Ran him and he looked good. He, I mean, he looked fantastic. He looked shiftier than I've ever seen him. He was hard to bring down. Mm-hmm. He's just going to get better and better as the weeks go on. Latavius Murray is a great changeup for him, and you know that that's kind of that's why you have two running backs nowadays. I mean, that's why you that's why you do that, and it worked well. And I think you know you look at uh, there was a sack that Compton and Reef gave up early. Yeah, DeForest it was, Buckner. Yeah, it was a pass off type thing, a yep. stunt. Those are the things where the O line will get better. Okay. I mean, that's just them meshing them. That's them working on it, passing mm-hmm. things off, getting better. The footwork, the whole thing. I mean, yep. um, the the talents there. I mean, I, I just I think when the game settled down, mm-hmm. third quarter into the fourth quarter, when San Francisco went to a four man rush, our guy had time to throw. Yeah. Bottom line, he had time to throw. Now they had a couple blitzes that got us. They had a couple gotcha moments, so to speak. Uh, but when the game kind of settled down. Uh, later in the game, and and it was a four man rush. I mean, our guy had time, and that's all. You, that's all you could ask for. The running game, yeah, you're you're gonna. Are are we good enough where you can just say I don't care if it's an eight man box? We're just gonna grind this thing out and get five yards of carry. No, I don't mean it, very few teams are are that good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, overall, not not bad. I mean, I you can't. It's hard to come away from that game with a lot of complaints when. Yeah, you don't like to see all the big passes, but then you realize, well, we had a rookie who was playing nickel, and then he's playing corner. He had a safety, never played nickel. He's playing nickel, you know, against this team. And, you know, Garoppolo, smart quarterback. I mean, that's – you just get out of the first game with a win. Yeah. I mean, just – you get – this is the week you get better. The biggest improvements made week one to week two. It's a big week. You know, and yeah, it's a big you week. You know why it's a big week? Because after Green Bay, the Buffalo L's are on the horizon. How about that? Got beat forty-seven-three with something called um, um, Nathan Peterman. That is. Then they win with that rookie Josh Allen. Josh Allen at the mm. House of Pain against Zimmer. Pack a lunch. So um, there, there are no freebies any week in the NFL. Ask Pittsburgh; it just tied Cleveland. Right. Ask New Orleans; it just lost its home opener to Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, and who does Buffalo play next? Because I mean, Buffalo's going to have they have pride about this. Is early in the season; they're going to have some pride about this. They're going to say we got to fix this, and they're going to have a good week. And I think they'll they'll come out this week and do better. And if they don't, if they lose big time two weeks in a row, they're 
They're done. What do I look I mean, like, Daryl Talley? I have no idea. What are you, what are you talking about? But Darryl? I know week three. Thank God you don't look like Daryl Talley. Week three, they come to the House of Pain. So I think the Vikings will be heavily favored in that game, and I think they will win. Sure. So, I mean, if you can get out of this one at Lambeau with that triple victory, helps your record. Uh, you beat Green Bay, so that helps in the division and with tiebreakers right. and NFC tiebreakers. Then you get Buffalo 3-0 and into that short week at L.A. against the Rams. And then the Eagles on the road after that, oh, 3-0, and that has to happen, well, doesn't it? it uh, I don't think it has to happen, but um, it, 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 it's... If you can get out of the, if you can get to three and zero, yeah, absolutely, that's going to be fantastic. Plus, you're beating Green Bay in Green Bay, yeah. So you have the home game later in the year. Um, uh, yeah, as a player, you don't look. I, I don't think long, you know, that that long term because you're playing really good teams every single week. But yeah, yeah as a fan, we can sit back and say this is mm-hmm. this is big. I mean, and, and it can all change, and it can all change in a heartbeat. You lose one guy here, you add another guy over there. They lose a guy. You play him at the right place at the right time, and yeah. when they're down two or three people, I mean, that's that's kind of how the season goes. That's what I'm talking about. Being be, you know better, rather be lucky than good. Hitting the right team at the right time and playing them at the right moment, and uh, yeah, it's. It's going to be a rough beginning for some of these younger guys. I mean, you got some really tough games, and you have that. You're one of the first teams to have that short week to go out and yeah. you know, play on Thursday in in, in L.A. Mm-hmm. No less. I mean, that's it's. Uh, you're going to need everyone. My point is, is that's why the guys like Jaleel Johnson and and those that group, that second group, Deshaun Bauer, yeah. those guys when they get in, they they need to. You know, they'll get better, but they need to get better. Peter, who do you think at the end of the equation leads the Vikings in sacks this season and why? Um, I still think Everson Griffin's going to be that guy. I got Daniil Hunter in that bag. It could be. You know, and I think that those two guys are going to benefit a lot from Sheldon Richardson and, and Linval and those guys up inside making the quarterback get out of the pocket. You know, you you come, when you, when you blitz up the middle, or I'm sorry, when you get pressure up the middle, from a Richardson and, and and those guys makes the quarterback pull the ball down and have to move left or move right, which is right into either Daniil Hunter or Everson Griffin. But Everson Griffin's, you know, he I I it's gonna be a it's gonna be a close race. That that that's gonna be yeah that might be a one or two sack bit. And we've seen it over the last couple of years when they've gone back and forth, and it's just kind of for them being at the right place at the right time. I mean, Everson sack. Um, I think it was Richardson that missed him. Yeah, Adam missed him, and then. There he is to, to polish that thing up, and he gets credit for it. So some of that's his hustle and being at the right place at the right time. Analyst, when Mackenzie Alexander is up to full speed, do you think we have a nickel split, or do you think it's all Mike Hughes' money? Oh, assuming, it's all, assuming, it's all Mike Hughes' Assuming money. Trey Waynes is healthy. If Trey, yeah, Trey Waynes comes back, Mike Hughes is the nickel. I think Mackenzie's going to provide depth at that position. And, mm-hmm. you know, Mike Hughes will have a he'll, – he'll, for a young guy, it'll be tough, but he's going to have to – you know, play nickel, be the backup nickel with base, and then when they go to to third down, he's going to have to you know play the nickel spot, so he won't get a lot of corner work at third down during the week. But yeah, I think he's going to be the next corner in. Okay, Mike Hughes. I mean, he's it's an impressive young man, a lot of speed. I mean, he's for a, a for a debut for a corner, big game. The whole Garoppolo thing, I, threw I think, it right to him. Well, yeah, he did. Of course, he did. But he caught it. Look what happened last night to the Bears. Did he? Well, I can't oh, remember his Fuller. name. It was Fuller. Fuller. Did he not have a ball thrown right at him? How Fuller? Might, and what did God, he do? He dropped it. That's like what I'm saying. Hell. So everyone goes, "Oh, he just threw it right to him." So what? He what caught is, it, yes. and then he scored with it. Yes. I mean, DBs are receivers who, as kids, could not catch. Now is 
I wonder uh, if there's a time, Brandon Zilstra, Spicer New London. I wonder if there is a time, Brandon Zilstra usurps Laquan Treadwell and takes his money. Well, Laquan, Laquan's just got to catch everything that's thrown to him. Period. I mean, it's he's he's getting open. He's getting to some spots. He's getting some opportunities. But he had a you know he had a I don't know what his numbers were or what he finished with yesterday. But I I just look at my notes from the you know from the uh, from the game and yeah. you know I know Thielen had a, a drop on a slant route that would have moved the chains. That La- was a big one. Laquan was targeted four times, two catches, eighteen yards. Definitely one drop. I feel yeah too. yeah. So one. I and, think he dropped two. It might have been two. So those are the you got to catch them. You have to. You have to catch it, and we'll see how much patience the quarterback and the offensive coordinator have with yep. with that. And if that's a trend, then it may not be too long. I don't know. We and but we don't know how Zilstra looks like either. Yeah. So, well, I mean, from the little bit, little bit of preseason, we see the tight ends were targeted four times, and they came up with three catches. How about Morgan? Yeah, that was a massive third down play right down by the ten, um, and Rudolph had the touchdown. Why I bring it up is because DiFilippo comes from the team with Ertz and Burton, and they love the tight ends. Cousins loved uh, Reed and Vernon Davis, very comfortable with the tight ends. Obviously, that scheme, and DiFilippo's scheme does not have to be what either A, Frank Reich and Doug Peterson put out, or B, Jay Gruden in Washington. I thought the tight ends would be targeted a little more yesterday. Now, I it's I don't know how many it's it's kind of like you got Thielen Diggs if you're gonna throw the ball you got the talent on the outside I mean and you got Cook and you got Cook and I don't know um, I'll say this though for Morgan the more he the more he's able to catch the football uh, and be part of that the better that's going to be for him because when you see Morgan come in everyone thinks run and the tight ends you know it's the tight ends you could say this for any tight end group I think in the league but they got to block better yeah you know a good blocking tight end. Uh, is 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 very very valuable. We put our receivers in positions to have to block quite right. a bit. We reduce the formation, and they that's have kind to, of a new thing around the kind NFL. Of seal the cutback and do those things. Saw it a lot in the Green Bay Chicago yeah. game last night. Randall Cobb did it once, where receivers are close to the formation mm-hmm. and they're in essence setting the super special edge. Yeah, they're just cut. Yeah, they're they're the cutback defenders most of the time. Or yeah, uh, and receivers don't get paid to block. They get paid to catch touchdowns, and so there aren't many of them that love to go in there and poke their nose in there because nothing but bad things happen when you get caught up in those piles. But for Morgan, if he can become a you know, become a uh, at least a respectable threat in the passing game, it's going to help him a lot get more playing time because when he goes on the field, like I said, you can't just go up. When Morgan's in the game, they're seventy five percent run. Yeah. Well, now you got to respect him as a as a pass catcher as well. So that's that's good. I think Rudolph is is as good of a route runner, you know, receiver as in a red zone threat as there is in the league. And, you know, he's always, always working to get better blocking, but he has to. So, but that's, like I said, that's, that's what every, every tight end group is the same way. You, they're, they all need to get better at blocking. Uh, you're my main man. I appreciate you stopping by. I will see you later in the week to analyze some border battle film for Vikings Game Plan mm-hmm. and the Vikings mm-hmm. Entertainment Network. And uh, then uh, we will travel to Green Bay on Saturday and have a funky That's good time. That's going to be a great time. I can't wait. Pete Bursage, analyst, Vikings Radio Network, at Pete Bursage via Twitter. Back after this. You're listening to PA. He's pretty dreamy. I'm not going to lie. He's fantastic. On the fan. Portions of the fan at 9 to noon on your home for Gophers football. Brought to you in part by Goldie's Locker Room.
inside the one. I might stick with the same play call one more time, get it in the end zone. It's Green and Femi Cole in the backfield, annexed at a receiver right. Green gets the direct snap, and he just barrels his way in for the touchdown. Nothing to it that time. Minnesota Golden Gophers. It's the center snap. Works his way, works his way. Close, close, close. Is he in? Yes, he is. Touchdown. Minnesota Golden Gophers with 3.28 to go. Seth Green and the Wildcat got the touchdown. First and goal from the four for Fresno State. The Bulldogs have one timeout left. McMarion with the wide side to the left, two receivers that way. And a tight end to the right is Rice. they got to keep an eye on him. They hand it off. They want to throw in the end zone on a halfback option. And the ball is intercepted. Antoine Winfield Jr. came out of nowhere to pick it off. <laughs> Mike Grimm, Daryl Thompson, Golden Gophers Radio Network. Welcome back. JG, sideline analyst, Golden Gophers football. An hour and uh, 15 minutes from now. Uh, that'll be a weekly contribution from JG. Uh, PJ Fleck, an interview with PJ Fleck each and every Tuesday at 9.15. Bo Hunting Burnsy from Gopher Illustrated in studio each and every Tuesday at 10.55. Uh, Wednesday shows are at Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center. So we relax on the uh, college football vibe a little bit on Wednesdays. Then uh, Ron Johnson, Gopher Great, uh, he joins each and every Thursday to uh, chat Gophers football. And what an awesome game Saturday night at TCF Bank Stadium. Colton Gophers outduel the Fresno State Bulldogs uh, in a game that, um, that had some really cool plays. Very, it had some physicality to it at times, uh, where where I thought it was spectacular. Very enjoyable to watch Golden Gophers football that Saturday evening. In fact, you know, for me, it um, because I don't get to see all the games. For instance, this Saturday, I with the pro team, we go to Appleton, and I most likely will miss Gophers Miami Ohio. Indeed. Now I can I can get Graham on the iHeart Radio app, or I can listen to him on the Sneaky Listen line. You know, but seeing the game helps you formulate takes into the Monday bit for either ten fifteen or JG. So I haven't seen all of them over X amount of years. For for my taste, it was the most fun watching Gophers football in quite some time. Would you agree? Uh, it's one of the tougher non-conference games this team has had on the schedule in probably what five to seven years. They had the TCO or excuse me TCU came to TCF uh, three, four years ago, yeah. and that was a tough grinder. The Gophers lose to TCU, ranked top five in the country at the time. Mm-hmm. But in terms of non-conference games, in terms of two squads that appear to be very, very closely matched in several areas, yeah. uh, one of the more entertaining games in the last half decade for sure. Right, and unless it involves Derek and or David Carr, I don't know much about Fresno State Bulldogs football. You know, but so for me, in watching the entire game, because it was a compelling game, number nine, the linebacker for Fresno State, last name might have been Allison. I mean, that's a fantastic football player who is a quality linebacker, not only in his conference, but he looks to be a quality linebacker, period. So watching them combat nine and get around that without Rodney Smith. Have I missed any news on Rodney Smith? There, um, you know, I know no official news. I know we're going to chat with PJ a little later. Play that interview back tomorrow. 
That happened early in the game. That was the game changer right there for the for the offense, yeah. I think. And they may have said it on radio, but Lieber absolutely said it on TV. Ben doing fantastic work analyzing for FS1 is when Smith went down, everything slowed down for a minute. The game slowed down. There was probably some type of pall cast over the sidelines because no nobody knew, you know, how the the extent of what the injury was. And I don't know what it is either. Maybe he's out for the year. Maybe he plays next week. I got no idea. But there was a malaise within the presentation all of a sudden. They fought through that, which I thought was impressive. There, there is so much talented youth on this team. This is unbelievable. The talented kids, P.J. Fleck and his coaches, have amassed on this team offensively and defensively. Uh, For those that think the head coach of the Gophers is just blowing smoke, P.A., when he talks about finally getting his first recruiting class in the building and maybe even how good this next one is into 2019, what I've seen through two games from Rashad Bateman, from Chris Altman-Bell, I mean, this receiving core that he has constructed uh, is fantastic. What about the quarterback? The quarterback as a true freshman walk-on is exactly what, I mean, we're seeing exactly what the highly touted nature of his bringing, coming into Minnesota and playing games. Rolls out right, sees nothing, in trouble, turns around, goes back to the left while throwing, while while rolling to the left as a right-handed quarterback and places it perfectly so when a pie for a guy can get it on a massive third down. Yeah, well, it's and that's the composure. I mean, we, we've we watched Gophers quarterbacks mm-hmm. run backwards in the face of peril before. Yeah. And you know what happens? It's a 15-yard loss, PA. It's, it's a lost fumble. It's negativity. The drive ends, and everyone's pissed off that you lost a game this early in the season to a non-conference team at home. Everyone's yeah. angry, and the season goes on from there. You watched a kid that was brought up uh, in big spots in terms of high school football at IMG, and he brought some of that composure there. And then Tyler Johnson, the athlete that he is, it, yeah. was, it was awesome. Uh, the uh, the Wildcat. Yeah, Seth Green, huh? Anikstad, then Wildcat, rinse and repeat, very cool. And I'm glad late in the game they passed out of the cat because eventually you, you can do it so many times and you can direct snap, to the East View kid, and he can run here, he can run there, fake tosses. A lot of deception and physicality goes into executing the single-wing offense. But if you eventually don't pass out of it, it's eventually not going to work. So I'm really excited for tomorrow's interview at 9.15 to chat with P.J. Fleck about the importance of establishing a passing element to the single-wing offense where, by the way, the guy executing it has been a quarterback the majority of his life. Uh, not only that, I, I have to say, I had to have been the only people that didn't know that he was going to pass it on the two-point conversion, it feels like, was the Fresno State defense, PA. Right. I mean, he had 11 carries. I don't think Seth ever actually has given it up on the Wildcat. It's always him pounding it forward, getting the two, three yards at a chunk. And uh, and he scored, I think, four touchdowns with this thing already through two games. Yeah. So the the trend and the precedent has been set. And in the big spot, two point conversion finally unloads it, 
and uh, and you get the seven point uh, the seven point swing. JG Justin Guard at JG KFAM. Uh, he uh, will join at about eleven thirty five for um, a weekly Golden Gopher segment. PJ Flex on the show tomorrow at nine fifteen. Second half of the Monday show next. Hey John, congratulations on the win. That um, that Kirk Cousins throw to Stephon Diggs for the TD. That was a masterpiece, wasn't it? No, it was a beautiful throw. It was a beautiful route. Um, you know, it was a matchup that we wanted to get, you know, all week. And, you know, it, it presented itself, that play right there in the left hash, exactly where we wanted it. And, you know, we wanted Stefan Diggs on, on Witherspoon there and knew we had a chance to get a possible uh, big play there uh, with that matchup. You um, uh, you like throwing to Dalvin Cook, don't you? Oh, love it. Love <laughs> it. I tell you, you know, throwing to running backs is, uh, is a great matchup because normally they're on a linebacker or, or at worst, safety. And, uh, you know, offensively, you should win uh, the majority of those battles. When uh, when the quarterback late in the game ran up the middle and dove head first, how did you feel? <laughs> I was, get down. That's, you know, that, that's what I was thinking was get down. And then and then as soon as he was down, I was trying to see if, you know, he'd gotten the first down or not. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Kirk Kirk's a, a legitimate tough guy. So that, that doesn't shock me when he when he pull, tries to pull those type of plays and, and gets us yardage and, uh, you know that was a that was a good play by him. What uh, uh, through the balance of the game, John? What problems did you face in the running game? You know, I think we ran the ball well early, uh, and then unfortunately, you know, we had the we had the fumble on the explosive run, and uh, you know, I, th- I thought we were running it well early. I thought in the second half, it, it, we took a little bit of a lull there when we, you know, went uh, three series in a row, three and out. Obviously, that's, that's we never want to do that. But you know, I tried to stay patient with the run, and uh, you know, we just need to do a little better job sustaining sustaining up front and uh we will we'll improve that but uh you know anytime you can go against an nfl defense and rush for 116 yards i think you're on the right track at least so with, that's what uh we're going to build on with that uh, much discussed offensive line obviously room for improvement but uh, viewing it from afar john it seems like riley reef played pretty well riley riley's always going to bring his a game and i thought he played well you know and uh he's a, he's a legitimate tough guy and uh you know he's that he's the leader on that offensive line and uh you know, we're looking forward to obviously him playing, you know, well throughout the season. Division collision Sunday against Green Bay. John, border battles are big around here. I don't have to tell you that. Exciting week of practice up to Green Bay, right? Absolutely. No doubt. And, you know, anytime you're playing, you know, a divisional rival, you know, especially the Green Bay Packers, it's obviously going to be a great challenge for us to go to Lambeau and, and, and win a football game. But I think we're up for that challenge. We're going to have a great week of practice and uh, really looking forward to going and playing those guys. This has been the Vikings Report with offensive coordinator John DeFilippo and Paul Allen. Brought to you on the fan by Whiting Clinic. Programming on the fan brought to you in part by Carboni's Pizzeria. Ten thirty seven. Courtney Cronin, ESPN, ESPN.com, covers the Vikings for said entities in studio 20 minutes from now. News du Nor with Nordo coming up momentarily. But first, we have to execute one of these. Covenant cleanup. Well, that's provided by Marketplace Home Mortgage. Seth Green, East Ridge, not East View. Ooh. Yours truly said East View. A couple of people went to the narrow casting leader at PA on the mic and said East Ridge L. Seth Green, East Ridge, not East View. That was a covenant cleanup. Well, it's sponsored by 
Marketplace Home Mortgage. What's next? News Denord. Brought to you by Canterbury's Card Casino. Poker, blackjack, table games all year round. Live racing still at least. A, is, are there a couple of weekends left? What's the timeline with Canterbury? Closing weekend for Canterbury this weekend. Woo. Friday we race at 5 o'clock. Saturday, 1245. Saturday is closing day for live racing. Uh, come out and say hello to us Friday and or Saturday. Thou. Number one. Uh, let's start with this. Uh, baseball and a baseball team that is actually going to the playoffs. Before we get to a bunch of NFL nuggets, I just want to say the St. Saint Paul Saints are in the American Association Finals PA. Right on. And they host the Kansas City T-Bones. Got with those T-Bones. Yep. Uh, it's games one and two of the AA Finals. It's tomorrow and Wednesday at CHS Field. These are super hot tickets, by the way. They're both 7 p.m. Uh, first pitches. So get to SaintsBaseball.com. It's the first time in this mix since 2011. Right. Saints dispatched of the Gary South Shore Railcats yep. uh, to get to the American Association final. So one more time, SaintsBaseball.com. Get your tickets and go enjoy it. Jason Ellenbecker, Sean Aronson, Sky Yuma. Best of luck with your squad. Number two. And then last thing, uh, also ticket-related, Minnesota Wild single-game tickets go on sale this Saturday. So get to wild.com, and later on in the show, Final Hour PA, I'm giving away a pair of Wild and Coyotes tickets for October 16th, Uh, so stay tuned to 9 to noon for that as well. Aaron Sickman, Kevin Falness, Sky Yuma, my friends, Sky Yuma. Number three. Uh, To the NFL in rapid-fire fashion before we get to our special guest. Uh, What's up with this? Third down and six. Good protection pass. Down the sideline. Oh, receiver is Hey, catch me. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Right over the shoulder to Michael Evans. A great throw on third down by Ryan Fitzpatrick. My goodness, is there anything he can't do today on opening day? A 50-yard bomb. Go Bucks. Go Knowles. Mr. Dekaroff, W-F-U-S. Bucks Radio Network, 48-40. to 40. It's the most points in an open, opening weekend game ever. Uh, the Bucks go to the Bayou and win. Uh, Mr. Fitzpatrick. Uh, Jameis Winston on the three-game L. So Ryan Fitzpatrick goes, no big deal. 21-28 for 400-plus yards. 14.9 yards per attempt on Martian, Marshawn Lattimore and that uh, improved Saints defense. Uh, Michael Thomas, 16 catches for 180 and a score. Kamara had three TDs, so I mean the the offenses were in play in a big way. Yep. Uh, just nobody stopped anybody, and the Bucks came out with a big win against an NFC contender. Yeah, I'm not. Um, I mean, in the knee jerk league, I off what I saw from Atlanta on the road in a tightly contested game against the champions. I have more problems with some things Atlanta did in situations, believe it or not, than the Saints at home against the Bucks losing as a massive favorite. Mm. What I mean, for whatever the reason, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, the New Orleans Saints are not great in season openers. I think they've lost either five in a row or five of the last six. So Drew Brees is HOF. Matt Ryan at this stage of his career is not HOF. So I ain't tripping over the New Orleans Saints. Peyton is a quality coach. They'll bounce back. And I still I stick I stick by what I've said all offseason. The Saints, in my for my money, still are the team to beat to get to the Super Bowl from the NFC. And then uh, also another AFC related nugget. The Browns are finally gonna win a game, PA. 
The ball is at the 24-yard line. And this will be a 42-yard field goal attempt from the right hash for Chris Boswell to try to win the game. Last year, he was 35 of 38. The holder is Barry. The snapper, Canaday. In the rain. High snap, ball down, kick on its way, long enough. That kick is high enough, and it's no good, and we stay at 21. Boswell misses, I believe, wide left. Boswell misses. Big Ben throws four picks, and then the Browns in overtime miss a go-ahead game-winning field goal. Yeah. Uh, the only positivity to come out of this, uh, I don't think the victory fridges in Cleveland unlocked. Yeah. Uh, so that's a problem with all the beers in it for Browns fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first time since 2004 that the Browns have not lost <laughs> their season opener. <laughs> so they've started every season for nearly a decade and a half, 0-1. Uh, at least it's 0-0-1 yeah. uh, for the Browns. Yeah, I like the Browns to win that game. So I guess I'm moderately disappointed they did not win the game. And I know they were getting killed a majority of the game. Uh, but this is more than just enjoying the 2018 run of hard knocks from Cleveland Browns training camp. Cleveland has a Cleveland has a decent team. And it's a team that battled Big Ben right down to the wire, got the tie. I thought Cleveland would win the game. That's uh, that's how high at this stage of the equation I am on Cleveland. Uh, let's look around at some former Vikings-related things. First, uh, Uncle Norv, 1-0 with the Carolina Panthers. Yep. Dallas has some problems. Yep. Uh, Case Keenum, he did throw three picks, but he also had a trio of touchdowns, PA. He and- had a touchdown pass to Demarius Thomas, front right of the end zone. Freaking masterpiece. It certainly was, and they get the win over Seattle. Uh, Sam Bradford and Arizona have some issues. Maybe we we overthought some of the things that they had been doing well, yeah. at least for a week. Yeah. Uh, but they looked awful. Bradford was terrible. Now, they did face a team and a former Viking that did not look awful. Let's hear a highlight of him. High formation, a yard away. <laughs> Hand off Peterson. It's a Redskins touchdown! Yeah! Peterson's 100th yeah! career touchdown, and the Redskins score. ESPN 980, Washington Redskins Radio Network. So he has 96 and a touchdown on the ground, his 100th of his career, most of them coming here. Yeah. Uh, two catches for 70 yards. He was like Marshall Falk out what? there now. Adrian had two catches for 70 yards. He had 166 total yards. Uh, one of them, I believe, ended in a lost fumble, so a bit of poetry there. Right. Uh, Jay Gruden gives him the game ball. I mean, of course Alec, he did. the Washington Redskins absolutely just mauled the Arizona Cardinals yesterday, and Adrian, for at least a week, uh, looked fantastic. Adrian Peterson. I've been all right. How you doing, Pia? Remember uh, at the State Fair, 9 yeah. to noon, yours truly laid out the over-under and put it on a Twitter poll, and I got killed. Seven and a half. Seven and a half, Adrian Peterson rushing touchdowns this season. And I was like, the over should be favored in this because he's going to get all the stuff inside the five yeah. because Chris Thompson doesn't run inside the five. We're at one. And uh, he got a lot of carries, and he had a lot of yards. They uh, seem committed with 26 carries that they gave him yesterday. Yep, 26 for 26. We'll see what happens. A uh, couple other things. Let's look ahead to the games this evening. First of all, uh, we got to see the Saints, an NFC contender, lose yesterday. We've seen yeah. the Falcons take an L to the Eagles. Yeah. And then, uh, Let's now go we, Raiders. Yeah, now we get to see Rams, four-and-a-half-point favorites and at Jets. Oakland. Let's go Raiders and Jets. Yes. Ain't no Sam Darnold rolling into Matthew Stafford's neighborhood and winning week number one. Jets' defense ain't that great. Uh, they had some secondary problems last year. 
Uh, they have um, Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Paul. Uh, Powell, good luck with that. Uh, the, the Raiders and Rams situation, that should be very interesting. Curious to see uh, what the Rams look like, having not played their ones a majority of the preseason. Raiders are at home, so you get to play on the disease baseball field. And it's John Gruen's debut as a new coach of the Oakland Raiders. A couple of games this evening. But um, the game we will be chatting about the majority of the weekend includes Vikings against these guys. Roger shotgun, three receivers right, one to the left. Snap to A-Rod. Rushes on, has time. Looking, throws, middle, yes. got his man, breaking free to the 50. He may go all the way to the 20 down the right side. It is Randall Cobb to the five, to the end zone, to the touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Randall Cobb to the lead score. 75 yards, and the Packers have tied the game at 23. WTMJ Packers Radio Network, 24-23. Packers come back and beat the Bears. Border battle. Hello, David Sinekin. Well, what's up, Paul? Well, you um, you, you really need to uh, credit Paul Charchian and his fantasy football acumen. <laughs> I mean, above everybody, Evan Silva, all of the elite fantasy football minds, Paul was the one who told us all offseason Randall Cobb needed to be on everybody's roster, and there goes Randall Cobb for a long score. Yeah, I had some fun with Paul over the last few weeks. He refused to even put Cobb on his top 60 cheat sheet for <laughs> wide receivers, insisting he was going to be cut. And I'm like, he's 28. He was born the same day as Adam Thielen. Yeah, he's got more miles on him. Wow. But the, the dude's in a contract year. He needs to show something. He's going to be motivated. And how do you not count him as one of the top 60 receivers? So when he tweeted me out after Allison's touchdown that <laughs> that was why he had Allison rated higher than Cobb, <laughs> right? I thought I would just let the night play out, see how the, uh, it was how the things ended. And, yeah, that was rather uh, fun. <laughs> oh, you handled it spectacularly. Uh, this Thank is you. David Sinekin. Every Monday we have the border battle, sometimes a full segment, sometimes in truncated fashion. Uh, he is at TC Head Cheese via Twitter. Uh, theheadcheese.com online, and um, he will uh, join at some point this Friday from Buffalo Wild Wings, okay. Roseville, for the Friday Football Feast. We have a border battle Sunday from Lambeau Field at noon. What um, If you were to guess, just just speculate, what do you think's wrong with your quarterback's knee? Well, I'm, I'm nervous till I hear. You know, I sometimes guys can do superhuman things, uh, you know, when adrenaline's coursing through you. So until I hear that it's a, I don't know, a mild MCL, is what I've heard some quote-unquote expert doctors who saw the play feel it might be. Until I hear it's something he can play through, it'll bother him for a few weeks. Uh, to me, that's the best-case scenario. I'm you know, just hoping that I don't hear really bad news, because you just never know. Can the Green Bay Packers beat the Minnesota Vikings with Deshaun Kaiser at quarterback? Absolutely not. Can the Green Bay Packers, with Aaron Rodgers not stepping into his passes except for the Randall Cobb bit, can your juicy squad beat the Vikings with a Rodge in his current condition? Absolutely. Of course he can. Well, how? It's not going to be easy. I'd rather not be facing the Vikes if he's not 100%. But uh, after what I saw last night, are you going to bet against him? Well, I, A, I'm not going to bet. But B, yes, I will root <laughs> against Green Bay. And I, I, think, I think the Vikings have a better overall roster. And if the best quarterback in the NFL is not 100%, then I think the Vikings have a terrific chance to win. Yeah, no, it's for sure. It's going to be a lot tougher. And, and 
and the running game until Aaron Jones gets on the field is not going to be very explosive. So it would be really nice to have Aaron Jones for that game because at least he gives you some big play potential out of the running game. Without him, Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery, you know that that's not a fearsome running attack, and it's uh, it's going to make for a rather one-dimensional offense. I feel on Sunday. Well, your team's uh, tackling for the balance of the game was pretty good. Okay. Yeah, you know what? You can rip the the defense just like I heard you saying earlier. You know, for your offense, new coordinator, new uh-huh. quarterback, going to take a few weeks till it kind of gets comfy. Yeah, you know, I, I feel the same way about the Packers D, and you add to the do. fact they were facing a, a new quarter or you know, a new uh, offensive game plan for the Bears, where they really see nothing about what Matt Nagy might do. Mm-hmm. Those first fifteen plays were ugly. You know, they they got one hundred and sixty yards the first two drives against the Pack. And then they ended up with 160 yards the whole rest of the game. So the defense got better. It's, you know, the fan has learned not the strength of the Packers team. But I think Mike Patton's going to get those guys understanding the system as we go along. And I think that defense will be a lot better in November than it is right now. What Khalil Mack did to Brian Bulaga in the first half should be felonious in 48 states. Yeah, I mean, not unforeseen. You got a, a guy coming back 10 months from an ACL, his first action. Uh, it took him a, a half to get his feet from under him, but. I didn't hear Max name mentioned in the second half. Did you? No, I think he got tired. I think. They... Oh, okay, yeah, that must be it. It can't be that Bulaga got his legs under him and figured things out a little bit, right? <laughs> I think they schemed him up a little bit, mixed in more slants. He got a little tired, and there's your dagger. All right. Well, I I still like the the two uh, pass blocking tackles my team presents on a <laughs> weekly basis, and as long as they're out there, yeah. uh, the Packers have a chance to beat anybody. All right. Look here, you bleep talker. The Kings of the North are coming to town on a Sunday. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, PA, I was at the game last night uh, at halftime with Bears fans around me. I can't imagine being any lower. You know, you see Rodgers carted off, uh, 17 zip. Uh, it just it looked hopeless. And so after what I saw in the fourth quarter, here come the Vikings. Man, is it great to have football back. You're the best. Have a good week. I'll see you uh, Friday at the Friday Football Feast. Buffalo Wild Wings, I believe, Roseville. And um, sayonara, my friend. Have a good day. All right, thanks, PA. Take it easy. David Sinekin at TC Head Cheese via Twitter and uh, theheadcheese.com online. When 9 to Noon continues, Courtney Cronin from ESPN and ESPN.com rolls into studio, and uh, we get her thoughts on the Vikings' victory over the San Francisco 49ers. Eric Nordquist, the Vox for News Du Nord, and I'm Paul Allen. From the Bryan Heating and Cooling Studios, this is 9 to Noon. You're listening to PA. You're going to therapeutically analyze me? Uh, yeah. Well, you better pack a freaking lunch because I'm a mess on many levels, but go ahead. On the fan. Garoppolo on second and ten. Passes over the middle. Intercepted by Harrison Smith. He just daggered the Niners. Harrison Smith to the far side of the field, down at the 15, and the Minnesota Vikings, the Kings of the North, have not only put Jimmy Garoppolo on the first loss of his career, they start 2018-1-0. What up? Final hour, 9 to noon today. Happy to be joined in the studio by Courtney Cronin. She covers the Minnesota Vikings for ESPN TV and ESPN.com. Learn more at Courtney R. Cronin via Twitter. At Courtney R. Cronin via Twitter. Good morning, young lady. 
Morning. Would you like to play a game? I'd love to. Three, two, base. Minnesota Vikings 2018. Most sacks at the end of the equation and why? Daniil Hunter. And why? And why? I mean, he's the best young pass rusher in the league. Okay. I mean, we saw a little bit of that yesterday. I mean, the pressure that he's able to get on quarterbacks at a regular basis. And I mean, just from the, the way that that defensive line, we saw a slight rotation. Mm-hmm. It's other people helping him in the mix to be able to get that pressure on Garoppolo and, okay. and walk away with that. So, yeah, Daniil Hunter. Minnesota Vikings end of 2018, Miss Cronin. Most receiving touchdowns and why? Stephon Diggs. Why? Uh, why? Because we've already started to see that come to fruition in the preseason. I think that connection with uh, Kirk Cousins is a little further along mm-hmm. than maybe some other receivers. I mean, we saw Adam Thielen get a lot of targets and a lot of yards yesterday, but Diggs more receiving touchdowns by the end of 2018. Most rushing touchdowns end of season and why? I'm going to go with uh, Dalvin Cook. Okay. Just, a, just the easy one there. I mean... The only reason I would switch my thought up at Latavius Murray is if they use him in goal line packages on a more consistent basis. Latavius, 20 rushing touchdowns the last two seasons. Yep. So actually, as a from a rushing touchdown standpoint, I would have Latavius slightly favored in that equation over Dalvin. Now, total touchdowns because of the catches. Yeah. Latavius has zero in his career. Dalvin looks like he's sitting on receiving touchdowns. So I think you're taking a slight underdog with Dalvin Cook. Next. Kirk Cousins. End of the equation. 28 passing touchdowns or more. Which way would you go? Under, at the 28, or over? I'd probably go at the 28. And we're spotting you two. That's fair. Because, I mean, it's kind of where... He's been the last three years of his career, mm-hmm. and that's why I think that's a that's a safe number given how he spreads the ball around eight different receivers yesterday. I mean, okay. you're going to see a lot of guys touch the ball. I don't think he's going to get 4,000 yards passing just because of the run game. Yeah. Uh, next, we're playing a game with Courtney Cronin from ESPN and ESPN.com. More touchdowns this season and why? C.J. Ham or David Morgan? Ooh, this is a good one. I'm going to go C.J. Ham just because you know how much they love to use the fullback package. I know he dropped a pass yesterday. I'm expecting that to be part of some stuff in the red zone. I mean, get creative with it. John Filippo hasn't had a fullback that he's used consistently. Didn't use Malcolm Johnson that consistently in uh, Cleveland three years ago. He really likes C.J. Ham, so I expect some good things from him. And finally... More touchdown receptions this season and why? Kyle Rudolph or Adam Thielen? Man, this is a good one to put me on the spot about. Ah. Rudolph, let's go Rudolph. Yeah, go ahead and take the front runner already up one. Yeah. Uh, Why Kyle? Why Kyle? I mean, they don't have the compliment for him, the vertical stretch the field, tight end compliment. So, I mean, the targets are going to go his way. He's... You know, a security blanket down there for Kirk in the red zone, as we've seen already. A, a quarterback that likes throwing the ball to a tight end. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you saw the pass yesterday. That's a pass only Kyle Rudolph can catch. Yeah. They're only going to continue to build on that. She referenced the fullback when John D. Filippo was, quarter, uh, was coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. What was his name? Malcolm Johnson. Wow. What a great NFL mind. <laughs> You're a Chicago girl, correct? I am. What do you think Chicago sports radio was like last night after that Sunday night football game? 
an absolute cesspool disaster, but I would have loved to have listened to it because the accents come out yeah. and all these, yeah. you know, the fire Nagy and, you know, Chubisky's a bomb and all this other stuff. I mean, I wish I could, I wish yeah. I had a thick enough accent to yeah. do it, but it's, see, the fan base isn't a bad fan base. I grew up, I didn't really, I don't know. My family really wasn't into the NFL growing up. We were a college football family, but I obviously. In yeah. Chicago, a college football family. Yeah, Northwestern. Really? Mm-hmm. Northwestern football, you say? Yeah. Is there a rich tradition there that like I'm missing or something? Yeah, with my grandfather. Oh, and yeah. then it got passed down. I went to Indiana, so I, I mean, there was kind of that. Yeah. They never really gave a flip at all about Antoine Indiana Antoine Randall L. Yep. 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 And Chicago, so let's see. Was Miss Cronin in Chicago when Dennis Lundy was with Northwestern? And I think he dropped a football for a $300 take. My. Against Iowa. How long ago was that? I would have no clue. I was not the Northwestern football fan. I just got dragged along to games. My brother is, but told you, I'm an Indiana girl. You're an elite football mime, so you watch it all (laughs) when you can. Aaron Rodgers' performance last night, your thoughts? On one leg to come back and do that and, Mm -hmm. you know, to not even have someone like Jimmy Graham. I mean, where did he he wasn't effective at all, and that's supposed to be his top red zone threat. Mm -hmm. You don't give him the ball back, Matt Nagy. That was a really bad decision. Right. Um, I I know that it's, you know, kind of the controversial thing to to say anything kind about Aaron Rodgers in this market. Oh, I've been on his jock all show. You just have to commend him for that. He's had, you know, a 20-point comeback. He's had a lot of big comebacks in his career. I think that this automatically is at the top, and we don't really know how serious that knee injury is. You'd have to imagine he got quite the the cortisone shot to be able to play through that. I'm sure he's not feeling great today. Right. You know, you hope he plays next weekend if you're a Vikings fan because that's the the peak of the rivalry. That is the best of the best as you can get it. Yeah, you're the objective reporter. I'm the cheerleader. And I've been saying nothing but positive things about Aaron the entire show. The arm talent last night, outside of the Randall Cobb play where he stepped into it, the arm talent was unbelievable how on time everything was. That passed, was it to Geronimo Allison? Yes. I mean, one leg. On one leg. That's just, that's like miracle stuff that you you hope for in sports. And, and we got to witness it. And that, but that Bears defense with Khalil Mack. I mean, if you're John Gruden right now, right? I understand financially they well, just couldn't do it. Came but, back to the pack a little bit in the second half. So a it's bit. like it's like trend on Twitter. John Gruden sucks first half. John Gruden sniff sniff hold my beer. All that second <laughs> half. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean because Khalil Mack. I mean he didn't really impact the game in the second half. I think the um, I think the Vikings have a better overall roster than Green Bay, do you? I do. I think they have a harder schedule. Yeah. Well, why? They play the same teams. Oh, basically. Basically. Now we get New Orleans, they get Atlanta. Yeah, we get New England. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, we we all play the AFC East. In like like what's markedly different in your opinion? Vikings go to Philly. Yes, I see. So yeah, and yeah. Ram, the, the stretch yes. of the schedule, I t- we've talked at about it. The Rams. first five weeks, the short game at the Rams. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The yeah I get yeah. it. Okay, you boxed me up. Uh, the Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins' performance yesterday at U.S. Bank Stadium, what did you think? thought it was very good. I think there were you kind of got the whole breadth of Kirk Cousins there. Mm-hmm. You know, very, very sharp to begin the game. Um, you know, the offense was able to recover after, you know, Dalvin Cook was embarrassing the 49ers' defense up until that fumble. But they still were able to, you know, put a lot of points on the board considerably early. And then you kind of saw that lull from the offense. 
um, and, and you know some some questionable decisions now in the two in the two minute warning in both the first and second half. I think that those are going to be things that you go to the drawing board if you're the Vikings. Yeah. Um, but I think and the George Kittle trick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the the man. the Kittle with his bits the the whole Kittle trick. I mean that's just it was like a common thread through the whole game. I know. The thing I look at with Kirk Cousins though is you walk away from this satisfied. I mean, you got everything out there that you needed to and now that now you know what it's like to play with the number one defense now you know what it's like to have a defense score yeah you know you know score off turnovers for you so it doesn't always rely on you and i think that that's been the whole message to kirk his entire time in minnesota is that this is not going to rest on you you don't have to be you don't have to create these miracle fourth quarter comebacks all the time because you have the best defensive line in the NFL. You have the best secondary in the NFL. You have some of the best linebackers in the NFL. It's all there. It takes the pressure off of him so they could kind of play a little bit more freely. Now, what I didn't like in the fourth quarter, I mean, there's those three straight series of three and out where he doesn't complete a pass, and he didn't complete a pass uh, in, in, the, in the fourth quarter at all. Right. That's concerning. They needed more from their run game, but they got the job done. I mean... Kirk at eighty four million dollars should never be sliding right. at first, but and Zimmer supported it. But in the Zimmer supported right. it, and that's you know that's the backing you want to see because I don't know if we'd always get that. Yeah, Courtney Cronin, ESPN, ESPN dot com. The um, Zimmer one of one of Zimmer's key points this offseason was all right, Mike. Defensively, fifteen point eight a game, number one in the NFL. Third down defense, twenty five percent, historically good. Got Everson over here. Uh, before the uh, the Twickenham foot injury, might have run down Strahan, Daniil, the whole thing. We got Sheldon. Um, but he wanted more takes, and they got four yesterday. Good start. But he also wanted to, in my opinion, better enhance his defensive line rotation, mm-hmm. which they did. And I saw via Courtney's Twitter, at Courtney R. Cronin, where she um, she tweeted the snap counts for all the, uh, for the defensive players. But th- there were times... That it was Bauer and Weatherly and Johnson and Perry. I mean, it was it was like a hockey line change. Yeah, and that's the. It felt in game like it was happening a lot more than it was, and I'm sure it it did because I mean Jaleel Johnson led I think somewhere around 22 snaps. He was yep. the, the head of the rotation there. Yep. Um, what Mike Zimmer said after the game is. With that rotation, he doesn't want all four in, all four out. Like, as you said, you know, like a line change in hockey. I think we saw that maybe twice. I I know that I counted it at least once, but I don't know how often that happened, where that's something that he wants to work with Andre Patterson about. Yeah. Just so, I wonder if it's an Andre or a George Edwards thing. It's interesting because it's you want your you want your starting guys you want your money makers out there to win the game when the game's on the line and and that's understandable but I think they're creating a healthy rotation you're going to want that number to slip down yeah um, I don't know if it's ever going to get in the Philly range like you know that's what that's the example that they touted in the off season that big time where they wanted to be. You know, Fletcher Cox pl- played 55% of snaps in the regular season what? last year. Yes, it was in the 50s. It's it's absurd. You look that's at that amazing. number, and that's why they're so fresh towards the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't know if they'll ever get to that here. I don't know if they want that model. I think that right. they like what they have going, but, you know, the reason they're able to, in the third quarter, put so much pressure on a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo and, and you know, force force the pressure, force, force his hand there, and that leads to the pick six from Mike from Mike Hughes, yeah, they had different bodies moving in and out, and you know you bring in J. Ron Curse. There's a lot of different options that you can create a non-traditional pass rush 
um, to also aid in the rotation. Courtney, Sheldon Richardson made me chuckle yesterday. I mean, he he personified I preseason for show, I regular season for dough. He didn't break a freaking sweat at any time in any preseason game. <laughs> and he was like a cross between Gerald McCoy and Aaron Donald yesterday uh, from the three technique spot. He was so good. Sheldon was so good yesterday. No, I thought he was excellent. I mean, and, and they've they've been wanting to provide a little bit more push from the interior, and I think that that's what they're getting in Sheldon Richardson. And I mean, why why San Francisco thought to run it that many times, uh, especially yeah. on you know first down in inside the red zone, and with those backs, it made no sense to me why they were kept giving it to Alfred Morris. But you don't you don't do that on the goal line right. when it when it's failed. That many times before, especially against his defense. Courtney Cronin, ESPN, ESPN.com, at Courtney R. Cronin via Twitter. Follow her like a 9 to noon does. When we return, we'll get Miss Cronin's thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo and more. You're listening to The Fan. Programming on The Fan brought to you in part by West Bend Mutual Insurance. Thanks to everybody for listening to 9 to Noon live and local every single morning. And I got a giveaway for you right now. Thanks to uh, a team that we absolutely adore, the Minnesota Wild. Single game tickets for Wild Hockey go on sale this Saturday. Hockey season just around the corner. I have a pair of tickets to the Wild and the Arizona Coyotes at XL Energy Center on October 16th. All I need you to do, first person to give me a ring at 651-989-5326, 800-320-5326, and answer this simple question. This member of the Minnesota Wild, he's a newcomer, played in 581 games in the NHL for five different teams, 54 goals, 59 assists in his career. Who's that guy? If you give me that answer, I got tickets. Wild and Coyotes, October 16th at the X. CC. As in Courtney Cronin, ESPN, ESPN.com, at Courtney R. Cronin via Twitter. What uh, What's your overall viewpoint on Twitter? Like, how do you look at it? It's an, in our business, specifically your business. It's a good conduit to share. Like, I read your game story, part of it last night, or I followed your tweets last night, then I read your sure. game story this morning, ESPN.com, but I got it first via Twitter. For, like me, promoting 9 to Noon Radio, uh, coming up with uh, some other things job-related. Uh, I'm into it that for that, and I feel it's effective. However, just overall, what does Courtney Cronin think of Twitter? I like to use the word that we often associate with Jimmy Garoppolo pre-week one, the sample size. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a small sample size of everything. Good yeah. good place for information. You're not going to get all your information there. Yeah. Good place to take the temperature of a fan base, to take the pulse of a fan base. You're not going to get all of your you're not going to gather all your information just from that small sect. Yeah. It's it's a unique place. I like it during a game because I like to kind of keep track of what's going on. Did I miss something? Is, is Case Keenum throwing interceptions left yep. and right in a Denver game, but I'm too busy focused on writing, so I'm key, I have my tweet deck up. Yep. Things like that I think are important. It's a good tool to watch games, too. I think it's completely the whole third screen thing. Um, second screen for a lot of people, but third screen when you've got your phone, your your TV, and yeah. your and your computer out. Wow, um, you can kind of keep tabs on a lot of different things. See, um, one of the things that I loathe about Twitter happened to me this weekend, and I'm calling races at Canterbury, and mm-hmm. so therefore I'm not watching the U.S. Open closely. But you know, between races, I see Serena Williams is crying. 
So I did the the millennial Twitter thing and just went there, in essence, looking for the answer. Why is Serena Williams crying? I had no idea. So then people formulated the opinion, well, the umpire or the judge or whatever messed up here. A Serena threw this tantrum here. We got a racket broken. We have so the when when I say when 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 I say like the worst thing for me that involves Twitter is then an argument between 22 people over <laughs> how Serena acted compared to sure. how the judge or umpire acted. It went on for like nine hours, and my name was continually yeah. tagged in it. So you got these 20 people arguing, and my name's like in it, and I didn't want to jump in there and be, hey, you know, I didn't want to, I, I you know, didn't care enough about it to jump in and say, hey, can you guys take my name out? Yeah. Has that ever happened to you? Yes. All the time. And you're involved for like a day. And you just have to turn your notifications, just vary them. However, yeah. it's go to the, go to verify, go to just your mentions. Don't go to, you yeah. know, it's easy to do, but it is a pain. I do understand that. Uh, I do understand that. What, um, uh, what were Courtney Cronin's thoughts on the, uh, at times maligned yet much discussed Minnesota Vikings offensive line yesterday? I think there were up and downs. There were some good moments. Mike Zimmer talked about how good Brett Jones played uh, in just you know ten days to come in and you know play center to be able to you know get the calls down with Case Keenum in, mm-hmm. in a situation that you know hasn't been ideal. But I think that it was you know serviceable and it and it worked. Um, I was a little bit concerned about the right side of the offensive line. To be quite honest with you, I know that they're the the concerns at left guard and just maybe you know the strengths of what Tom Compton brings to this team that's been talked about a lot but I kind of looked at Dalvin Cook yesterday and watching kind of where he was deciding to penetrate through the offensive line and when he went to the right side the run blocking wasn't great and I think that that's an issue and you know Mike Rimmers is new at playing right guard I mean yes he played a little bit of it you know, with points last season, but this is still kind of a new experiment for him in 2018. Yeah. And it was only know, his fourth start at guard in his career. Yeah, and that's that's to be expected. Um, we knew last year in the playoffs that Rashad Hill was not a great run blocker, and I don't think we've seen that much of an improvement there. Yeah. And that's an important. I mean, it's obviously that's your important bookend for pass protection, but you need to see him much better as a run blocker. What um, uh, what did you think of Eric Kendrick's game? Just overall, the defense, Kendrick's, Harrison Smith, you know, guys we haven't mentioned. Yeah, I mean, they earned their money yesterday, right? Yeah. You know, Kendrick's, it was kind of weird because we heard three different things for who f- actually forced the fumble at the goal line. Let's just go ahead and say the front seven. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, Kendrick's was credited with it on the stat sheet, and then Harrison Smith recovered it, but... In the press box, they said Andrew Sandejo. Right. Uh, I read somewhere somebody else gave Linville Joseph the credit. So, I mean, I think it was right. a collective effort. And, yeah. you know, you saw when the game was on the line, when they had a chance to tie it, just you have the best safety in the league. You know, he's never – he always has, he puts these quiet games together. Yesterday you saw him screaming, like, essentially, you know, how good he is just by everything that he did from top to bottom. And that game-sealing interception in the fourth quarter was the cherry on top. Speaking of uh, safeties – uh, we had Harrison Smith, Andrew Sandejo with his uh, 31st birthday, and J. Ron Curse yeah. a ton during the game. Now, uh, J. Ron played some nickel, I'm sure as you noticed, but uh, when they they went with the three safety bit a lot yesterday, not surprisingly to me at least because it was the first game. No George Iloka, I think eventually that's probably his money. But with that three safety bit with Sandejo, Smith, and and Curse, what'd you think? Well, they had to get conservative, especially with the lack of cornerback depth they had. Mm-hmm. I mean, last week was, 
it took a bunch of hits. I mean, Terrence Newman retires uh, the day the 53 comes out. Then, you know, you learn Mackenzie Alexander probably isn't going to be able to go. So yep. you're down those two. Um, it, it caused them to shift a lot of things on the back end, which is why J. Ron Kirst told reporters after the game that he was working a little bit at nickel throughout the week. And I mean, that's... Oh, he you know, was. Yeah, and, okay. that, and I think that's important to be able to have that flexibility. And, you know, Zimmer said after the game that sometimes the safeties, not the guys who are coming in from outside corner, having to, you know, worry about, you know, you're basically weaving through traffic uh, if you, as you, if you play nickel corner. And sometimes just the safeties with the way that they see the field and what their position, how that translates to nickel almost as yep. better. And I think that's why that is why he went in. I know we had the question. I've been asked it several times. Why have we not seen George Iloka? And I agree to your point. Um, they kept J. Ron Curse around for a reason. I mean, yeah. he's been a huge asset for them on special teams. Yesterday, he showed them, yes, I can actually still play defense, too. Right. And you saw him go in over Iloka, yeah. Anthony Harris. That was a big day for him. And I wouldn't even say still play defense. I mean, with all due respect, I would say start to play defense. Sure. Because like when he got the opportunity previously, there was a Monday night football game mm-hmm. in Chicago. I mean, it was awful. Yeah. And, and Zimmer told me a couple of times in the offseason season through OTAs and everything, J-Ron's gotten better at defense, and we saw that last night, or yesterday. I thought it was interesting how quickly they became bored with Holton Hill. Now, it's a difficult spot for young Holton. College free agents, all new to him. McKenzie's out, Hughes is in his spot. Waynes goes down, Hughes goes outside. Well, Holton Hill was the first one to get the crack, and Shanahan went at him a couple of times. first play he was in. First play, and it worked, and (laughs) Zimmer just got bored with it, and he's like, J-Ron... Get on in there and play inside. I wouldn't even say it's get bored. He's like, hey, this is going to be a liability if yeah. we continue to have this this way. Uh, but no, I love the three safety look. I think it gives them a huge advantage. You know, once you can, you know, once you see what J. Ron Kersett does now, mm-hmm. I wonder where he rotates in this defense because yeah. you were lacking cornerback depth. Obviously, I forgot to mention Trey Wayne's went out, so yeah. we don't know how long that knee injury is going to, you know, keep him out. Yep. Um, then he came back and he came back out. Yeah, it was. You know, I, I figured he was. I figured that was going to happen and you're just going to want to make sure that you have a depth structure in place and yeah. and they certainly do. I mean their safeties give them more versatility than what I think you could potentially get, you know, from having another corner. What um what do you think off watching the Packers last night and following the Vikings as closely as you do? What is the best way for the Minnesota Vikings to beat the Green Bay Packers? Carve up that young secondary just like Kirk did yesterday. Think so? Yeah, I mean they're green. They're young. They have a bunch of new corners. I mean, that's where you take advantage of that. Right. Um, we saw Kirk be able to do that. You know, he picked apart Akella Weatherspoon on that throw to Diggs. I mean, yeah. the dude couldn't get his head around. Right. Uh, he wanted to play the hands game, and, you know, Diggs wasn't going to have any of that. I mean, the throw to Kyle Rudolph, same thing. I mean, you're, you're, you know, see the defenders under there, and he had DeForest Buckner in his face with a hand. Unbelievable. I mean, that was a really good throw. I right. think that, you know, in the red zone, I was impressed with Kirk yesterday. And especially on some of those deeper throws, I think he did really well. And that's what you have to do against this Packers defense. What's the best route of attack for Green Bay to beat Minnesota? Um, certainly putting pressure up front because we know the offensive line is its still a question mark. And, and it probably will be all season, to be honest. I mean, it's, we talk about it all the time. Um, We're balanced and objective here, Miss Cronin. We ask both <laughs> sides of the equation. That's fair. Okay? Kirk had, I think, an average of just around like two point three seconds to throw yesterday, Whoa. which um, which is that's that's quick. I mean, he was forced; they forced him out of the pocket a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's green. If Green Bay's defensive line is able to do that, yeah. then you know, putting pressure on him. I mean, Kirk took a, took several sacks yesterday. He doesn't. That's not something that they want to see continue, and that's something that you know. 
he's had happen throughout you know the last three years of his career it's been yep. it's been a theme so um that's the way i mean i think that's the way you do it but he showed also that he can be pressured and make good throws i mean he he worked well with his within his pocket and when the pocket collapsed he had good presence outside of it to make mm-hmm. throws uh, Matt Weil, in my opinion, has Southern California cool to him, uh, like Anthony Barr and or Matt Khalil, where even if they're nervous and full of anxiety, they don't let you know. And I chatted with him pregame on the field, wished him well, stuff like that. Uh, he had that 29-yard punt or whatever it was. He had one awful punt. The rest of it was pretty good, specifically the one Hughes downed at the five. At, in seeing while in the locker room after the game, it was like uh, it was like boulders had been removed from his shoulders because he was um, um, he he had to have been nervous into that game. I mean, he kicked for he punted for Pittsburgh during the preseason, twelve regular season punts before that, um, second year from Michigan, but he started in sixteen and he never stuck. You know, and this is a team with Super Bowl aspirations. So I sensed he was nervous. I thought he handled himself okay. I do, too. And, I mean, the, the, I'll take the Mike Zimmer approach to this, that if we're not talking about you, if you don't not- if we don't notice you during the game and you're playing a position like that, it's probably because you're doing a good job. What about Daniel Carlson? I thought he was good. Flying, co- flying colors. Yeah, big field goal there in yep. the first quarter. You know, a big, a big statement for him. I mean, I'm bored with the touchback bit. By the way, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it, that's just going to be the. That's okay because I know kick, kick return, kick coverage, safety. That is the a topic. I understand and I respect it and I appreciate it. Just every game around the NFL, it's always mortar out of the end zone or or nine yards deep, and they're just never coming out. And I think this is why the talk had been just, hey, let's get rid of it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. to. I can see both arguments of why special teams coaches want to keep it. I can't get rid of it, though. But you can't. Like, yeah. I just, it, you don't spot the ball at the 25. It's boring. Like, yeah. I just, I don't know. Yeah. And then how do you handle the onside kick with yeah, that whole thing? Makes it a lot harder. Uh, excellent uh, contribution. For that, uh, we genuinely appreciate you. Have a wonderful week. See you at the facility and uh, see you at the game at Lambeau. Sounds good. Courtney Cronin, ESPN, ESPN.com, at Courtney R. Cronin via Twitter. Uh, we close with uh, some Golden Gophers football conversation. Sideline analyst Justin Gard joins us next. You're listening to PA. The king in the north. The king in the north. I can't wait, I can't wait until tomorrow Cause tomorrow might very well be too late Third and eight Femi Cole now in the back in the backfield And extended throw, feeling a lot of pressure He's in some serious trouble, retreats all the way to his own 20 Spinning the other way, launches down the sideline And Johnson, first down on the sideline, and he's out of bounds at the 43. That he talked about a high up with the vertical. He went up high for that one and got the catch and extend somehow, keeping the play alive. I'm ready to smile, but for a long while, wouldn't take much to get me down. I love my mother, dreaming color, most of The Golden Gophers beat the Fresno State Bulldogs Saturday night on the fan at FM 100.3. The fan uh, in a less than common football game uh, where Antoine Winfield wins it with a dramatic interception at the end. To chat about that and uh, much more, nice enough to join us weekly for like a fifth or sixth consecutive year. 
It is uh, Justin Gard, sideline analyst for the Golden Gophers Radio Network. Justin, Paul Allen, good morning. Great to be back. What do we know? What uh, What was the atmosphere like in the building Saturday night? Because it was pretty watching, good. Listening to it on the radio and watching it on TV sounded fantastic. It was pretty good. Now, the thing about that I've tried to tell uh, Gopher, about, about Gopher fans, because it wasn't a huge crowd. All right, may have been one of the smallest in TCF Bank Stadium history, right? We saw the really? article a couple of weeks ago about ticket sales being down, season really? ticket sales being down. Uh, people are going back to school, non-conference, or maybe not that interested in it. Student section, I thought, was fine. Okay. Home side was fine. But the people that are there are into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like It's changed where, historically, and I think this is still at Williams Arena an issue, the, the, the crowd isn't like super into it. They're just kind of there. Mm-hmm. The football team, the football crowd's the last handful of years have gotten into it. So the people that were there had a hell of a time. It was a fun game, a great ending, and obviously they were happy that the Gophers finished with the second victory. This um, in no way, specifically, e- even from yours truly, who sees football and sports life through the eyes of a, of, of a 15-year-old, <laughs> I'm not here to crown P.J. Fleck King, but I am going to say, and I said it last week after um, watching after watching back most of the season opener, a lot of the things he said about recruiting and the time it takes and the pockets into which he and his people are going to go and the types of players he's bringing here, you really could see it Saturday night with uh, with the youth on this team right. and how speedy and talented they are. I've been saying it basically all of fall camp that I don't know how many games they're going to win this year. Obviously, with Rodney Smith's future up in the air a little bit, that's a huge L that they're going to take if he's going to be out for an extended period of time. But for the first time, you could see where it could potentially go when you're talking about Rashad Bateman, right. Chris Ottman-Bell, Demetrius right. Douglas, Terrell Smith, who played a really good cornerback in his second start as a true freshman out of Georgia. Yeah, uh, They're a fun team to watch, I think, because of that youth. And I haven't even mentioned Zach Anikstead. You heard the highlight yep. that you played there. I mean, when in the last 20 years have you seen a gopher quarterback do something like that? Did you say Bryce Williams? I didn't even say Bryce he Williams. He saved the night. Well, he was part of it. You've got Seth Green now, who obviously has been a part of the program for a while. Yeah. But... You know, Anikstead scrambling around. That's a third down right there, and they're trailing. You know, they're, for they're in the meat grinder and just you know, kind of just flipping it to Tyler Johnson, who goes super high and kind of hangs there for an extra second. They've got a lot of athleticism. They've got a lot of talent. Uh, they obviously have a lot of youth, and it's fun to kind of see where that could potentially go someday. And the recruiting's not stopping, by the way. I mean, Burnsy will tell you that. The recruiting... Uh, that's been pretty good the last couple of years is is probably going to end up right where it's been the last couple of years, if not better, because they continue to uh, sign some pretty good kids. Um, I am being told, uh, thank you, Goldie's Locker Room, for uh, sponsoring the Justin Guard segments weekly. Terrific. Goldie's Locker Room, for those who don't exactly know what it is, what is it? Well, if you, if, if you like gopher stuff, that's where you go. Okay. If you want to buy clothes, that's where you go. If you right. want to buy stuff for your tailgate, that's where you go. They've Bobby. got the, they've got the big store exactly. They've got the big store uh, right there at TCF Bank Stadium. They've also got one in Dinkytown where every once in a while, if I have to park in Dinkytown, I'll pop in. And they're usually listening to the Paul Allen Project. Okay, they're usually listening to the fans. So I always give them a shout for that and uh, appreciate that they're listening to the fan down there. But it's a great store, Goldie's Locker Room. I will take an extra L throwback three with Johnson on the back of it. I think Ron has those in his trunk. You I was going to say, actually, him. I shouldn't say that because yeah. then, like, they probably don't have one, and it'd be like, "Hey, we got to get this thing together and go through the trouble." No, you don't have to go through the trouble. But in the spirit of Ron Johnson, who never would promote or say anything like this, he's very 
reserved. Yeah. yeah. Very uh, humble. Yeah, like, for instance, he said something during the Sunday night football game that he tweeted, see, I said that in the game, and look, it came to fruition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a game-worn three, you might even be able to get that there. Goldie's locker room, welcome back to the 9-to-noon uh, mix. Uh, Blake Cashman is a tackling machine. Yep. Uh, he's all over the place. His um, his sideline-to-sideline side uh, adaptability and just the way he maneuvers left and right as well as north and south. Very impressive player. Well, and I think the north to south is what you just hit on. And this started a couple of years ago when they used him, when Tracy Clays kind of used him as that just rush linebacker. And he basically came out of nowhere yeah. a number of different times. He's just, he closes so quickly, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. he's just out of nowhere. All of a sudden, here comes 36, and he's usually in the backfield. A lot of times in short yardage situations, if they need a big stop, there was one Saturday night where right around midfield, I think, where he just shot right through the gap, tackle for loss. Yep. I mean, that's just what he does. And it's it's weird because I think if you just lined him up and ran him against like Rashad Bateman or somebody, I don't know if he would beat one of the speedier guys, but he has this like three-step acceleration where mm-hmm. he sees it, he reads it, and he goes, and more often than not, he makes the tackle. So with the rushers that they have, like with Carter Coughlin, with Blake Cashman, uh, they've got a lot of dudes on defense, and, and that's one of the things that's going to get lost, I think, in just all the young players that played well on Saturday night. The defense gave up seven points, basically, to a team that had scored 79 the week before. Yeah. And a team that's going to score a lot of points, a team that was explosive a year ago in the Mountain West. And if not for a bad Tyler Johnson fumble that gave them a short field, I think they started that at the 18-yard line, this defense gave up those seven points, the short field ones, and another seven, and that was it all night. They're playing really, really well. Bow hunting, Bernsey, and I text and talk more than people know. Yep. Uh, specifically during games. Mm-hmm. Easier during road games because he's not there. He texts back more quick, uh, more swiftly. Uh, but when he's in the press box, he has other obligations. So I'm texting with him during the game, trying to have him put me on some takes. I'm like watching it and listening to it and everything. And the quarterback for Fresno State, the fifth-year senior, I, I had read some decent things about him, and obviously he's got a little equity to him, and he and he's seen a lot. I I text Ryan because I was not impressed with this guy early in the game. I'm like, this quarterback's a little bit of an L. He's not nearly as good as I thought he would be. Then as the game went on, I recognized it's because he's having to get off his first and or second read because this defense is playing so well. So a Fresno State quarterback not with, without the last name Carr right. having to go to reads three and four all the time probably isn't going to look that good. Well, and I think they wanted to spread Minnesota out. I, I think they did want to test the cornerbacks because you know Keandre Thomas is there. We talked about Terrell Smith. You've got Antonio Chenault. Um, Terrell Con- Smith, freshman, great player. Holy P- cow! PJ absolutely loves him. But I think their idea was, we're going to try to test these guys, get them out in space, see if they can tackle a little bit, see mm-hmm. if they can cover. And I think what McMarion and Fresno found out is these guys can cover. Yeah. And in that, you know, they've got Keyshawn Johnson, who's a great wide receiver as well, and they really did a good job on him. Smith was kind of like a spy on him. They kind of, they, they, they didn't. The best way it was described to me is they didn't just put him out there on Terrell Smith Island. But they didn't not do it, if that makes sense. Like yeah. more often than not, they wanted him to guard Keyshawn Johnson. Yep. And I think they did a really good job, especially early on, making him go to that second and third one. And really, they they made him uncomfortable. It seemed like all night, and they never really got going. But they have guys that can cover for sure. Andres or Andres? Andres. Blaze Andres. Yep. Yeah. Uh, as the uh, freshman slash youthful nature of this team theme goes, um, I think I think he's fantastic. Um, he he's a freshman. Um, his work in the run blocking, specifically in tight quarters, for my money, um, he's 77, right? 
I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, really like the future of him, which potentially could be an anchor for an offensive line. We're obviously in the Big Ten, man. You need good offensive line play for certain October slash November games, and I really liked what I saw from him. Can't wait uh, after the show to chat with PJ to get his thoughts on that. Play it back in nine fifteen tomorrow. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's playing well. I think Schluter played well in the first game. Lieber and I, Lieber was talking about that. Um, it was uh, it was nice to have Ben Lieber in the crowd looking. Out. Usually, I'm the best looking person there, and then here comes <laughs> here comes Lieber and yeah. completely blows the whole thing up. Yeah, it's not a field; it's a runway. <laughs> That's basically right. He Seriously. just looks so good. Yeah. Um, He'll be on with Dan at four fifteen today, by the way. But you know, redshirting guys like that, you know, that's important. And they're redshirting a couple of more offensive linemen this year that they think are going to be helpful. And that, to me, was the biggest indictment of the last coaching staff. Is it, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me, PA, in Minnesota when you've got Iowa over here, Wisconsin over here, North Dakota State up there that have great offensive lines. And then it was like year five or six yeah. of killing Clay's, and they're having to go junior college, you know, to find linemen. That made no sense to me. So a year ago, I know you and PJ talked a lot about it. They basically had five guys they could put in there, and with any injuries, they were dead. And we saw late in the season, they were dead. Right Now they've at least got seven or eight guys that they can put in there. They've got some guys they redshirted a year ago. And, you know, Andrews is one of those guys. Schluter's is, Schluter's one of those guys that's going to be good. So, uh, that will be, uh, hopefully they continue to bring in more linemen like they did this last class and, and build that thing up. To have a guy like Seth Green run the Wildcat who actually can throw the ball. Yeah. Now, I know they only did it once, you know, close to the goal stripe, but this is a legitimate threat and thing, in my opinion, to have a big, burly guy who gets the gaps and knows how to run who can also throw it. Because you can set up so many things now for Big Ten play with that Wildcat with Seth Green. I think the fact that the physicality is the biggest part you've seen now with four touchdowns. A couple of them, he just trucks guys. You know, it's not yeah. like he's getting out in space and making huge moves. He's put on a million pounds since they moved him to whatever position he plays now: tight end, wide receiver, Wildcat yep. quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a cool side. It's been a cool sidebar, and even going back a little bit to the Rodney deal. When you've got Rodney probably out for a while and a freshman quarterback with a lot of freshman you know, wide receivers, you're going to need to be creative. You're going to have to manufacture stuff. So I like it that you get into the red zone, Annexted gets you so far, the running backs and the receivers get you so far, and then let's dust this off and let Seth do it. And Clearly it's working pretty well right now. He's got four touchdowns. And it's just cool to see a guy who we've heard of for like 10 years, right? Yeah. How many times have we all been asked about Seth Green? It's cool to see a guy make yeah. a position change, be all in on it, and I didn't expect him to contribute this quickly. When you when a quarterback makes a position change, a lot of times it's like, all right, well, we're never going to hear from him again. And we've heard from him in a big way. With Antoine Winfield Jr., I mean, it's the Troy Polamalu. Uh, you're, you you can float however you want. I mean, he's he does everything. He's just all over the place. Covers up a lot of mistakes. That's the way that PJ has always described it. And you know, helping some of those young guys that we talked about, I think, is great. He's just so he, it's cliche, and it sounds like it's a, a cop out to say he's like his dad. Yeah, but he is like his dad. I mean, his dad was super smart. Obviously, I used to call him nine twenty every Monday. Oh right. yeah, right in right. the training room. And he was known as one of the best film guys, known as one of the smartest guys. Obviously, was a great tackler. But even going back to what he did as a true freshman, you know, just stepping in basically out of nowhere and helping out, not having him a year ago was a huge detriment defensively. They were excited to get him back. He's obviously helped out in special teams as well. And yep. I just happened to lock on to him on that interception play. Mm. And it was just 
Good play call by Fresno. Terrific too. play call. Yeah. And it worked. Uh-huh. Except the quarterback, I think the guy was so wide open, the quarterback, I think, just kind of thought this will be an easy pitch yeah. and catch. How is this little it. 5'10 kid going to get back there in time? No doubt. Plus, he turned the wrong way. I and mean, watching it back on TV, yeah. how much ground he covered quickly. Also, turned the wrong way to start out with. You remember Dred Scott's softball. Oh, yeah. You turn the wrong way to catch a ball. You're oh, yeah. toast. He flips yeah. around and catches it. it I still can't Mouse believe Mickelson what a play wearing that was. wearing his jean shorts. Yeah, Coob trying to make diving catches. <laughs> I understand all of it. It was, uh, it's it's one of the best oh. plays you'll ever see, and I just happened to be right there when he yep. did it, and it's still amazing to me after seeing it ten times. <laughs> see you next week. Alright, be good. Justin Gard, is it at JG Fan or KFAN? At JG KFAN. At JG KFAN via Twitter. He produces Bumper to Bumper today, 3 to 6.30. Ben Lieber is one of the guests. Back at it tomorrow with Mike Florio from ProFootballTalk.com. PJ Flex on the radio show tomorrow. And Bo Hunting Burnsy is in studio, plus the Twins Techie. For Nordo, I'm Paul Allen from the Bryan Heating and Cooling Studios. Time to put a wrap on the shout. Thanks to the Paddy Wagon, sponsoring the 9 to Noon Show Raps. Happy Monday. Thanks for listening to this morning's show. Sun shines as the Vikings start the season 1-0. and The dismantling of Jimmy G. It was systematic. The defense so relentless and so emphatic. Cousins to Diggs, they're connected like a handshake. Mike Hughes' first game, first pick, six take. Shanahan with George Kittle, like a snake in the grass. But Alfred Morris gives it away like an ass. So on to Lambeau with number 12, though, with one good leg making miraculous throws. P.A. watched every moment with some lotion and some tissue this Sunday's game. If he plays, he'll be an issue. Hot fives for everybody. I love it, baby. Under your butt. Hold on to your butt. Scratching and surviving. Personal foul. Clipping. I love it, baby. Not much else to say. It's been a joy. Have a good night. If it's good news or money, leave a message. To listen back to a podcast of today's show, visit the Paul Allen channel on the iHeartRadio app or go to KFAN.com.